the movie planet. Joining me is the Thanos to my Avengers, the Stormbreaker to my Gauntlet, Steve. Oh, we've been waiting for a long time for this. I am so ecstatic that we were here, that we are here. Yes. Let's do that. Um, this Nin has been how many podcasts in the making? 19. 19 movies. <laughs> You know what's funny is we, we, when you start, when we're like, oh, let's talk about the MCU, the first thing we think about is Infinity War and Endgame. And it takes us oh, so yes. long to get here. <laughs> I believe I, I've had a lot of, you know, hold back and not wanting to view any part of this film until the time has come. This is the one movie where I would rewatch it every now and then because I, it's just so rewatchable. But Endgame, just like you, I haven't touched it. Yep, it's still in the wrapper. Yeah, still, <laughs> yep, still there. But as we were saying, this is the third movie in the Avengers series and the 19th in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And on this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Pantheon. The comic book Movie Planet Preserve is composed of seven and only seven films. So in order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us. And they are number one with a perfect score, Deadpool. Number two with a perfect score of an A, Iron Man. Number three with a perfect score of an A, The Dark Knight. Number four with an A minus, Batman Begins. And then we've got a three-way tie, but we've ranked them five, six, and seven at a B plus. Back, black, back. Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Captain America Civil War. Now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. And I got a feeling, Steve, <sighs> Civil War might be on its last legs here. I project my prediction after Black Panther. Yeah. Three films are getting booted out by the time we finish this. <laughs> right now, at that time, we got one down. This now is we need two more. Oh, you, one stone to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a spoiler-rich podcast. So if you haven't seen 2018's Avengers Infinity War, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we have finished that business, oh, boy, let's get down to business. I don't know what I'm more excited for, Infinity War or when we did Solo. Uh, oh, you know what? That was really a. It's it's kind of a push. <laughs> Solo really does held a special place in my heart. Now that we've done the podcast, this week we are discussing 2018's Avengers: Infinity War, a movie made for approximately 350 million dollars, that brought in 2.04 billion dollars worldwide. Dude, that's insane. That is insane. Uh, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Produced by Kevin Feige. And directed by, and I just figured this out, Anthony and Joe Russo. My name, Steve, is Joseph Anthony, Sarah. Look at that. Oh. Yeah, I've got a Joe and an Anthony in there. And music by the highly underrated yet amazing Alan Silvestri. He is the John Williams of this new generation. Yes, he is. And you know what's funny? He, He's been around almost as long as John Williams. This, I mean, everything this guy touches just turns to gold. And that's exactly what John Williams does. And I'll tell you, when you say underrated, he is totally underrated and he's unappreciated for yep. all the stuff that he's done. I agree. Uh, I mean, John Williams just looks at something and waves his wand. He automatically gets awards. Yes, yeah, he was nominated for Rise of Skywalker. That was hardly a memorable soundtrack. A lot of it just sounds the same. I mean, I'm just surprised that 
he's still getting these nominations. Not, I'm not discrediting the guy. The guy's still really, really good at what he does. Yeah. But, I mean. He's at a I'm point more- now where his name gets him nominations without doing anything. Alan yeah. Silvestri still has to work for it, even though he's done some of the more famous movies also, just not nearly as famous as John Williams. Is John Williams, with his name, getting awards, is he like the Martin Scorsese of yes. the uh, music industry for movies? Yes. Just his name alone will give some credibility? Yeah. But listen to some of the movies that Silvestri has done, which these are no like – these aren't like bad movies. He did Back to the Future, Predator, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He did all the oh. Back to the Futures. Polar Express. Yes. Super Mario Brothers. Well, <laughs> he did Grumpy Old Men. He did Forrest Gump. I would say about probably 80% of his movies, if you name them off, all of our listeners here, including you and myself, could easily remember the main theme from that from that movie. Yes. And that's done by him. Yeah. I mean, Back to the Future, you know that you can instantly recognize it. It's one Polar of my favorite soundtracks as well. It's, it's Back to the Future is one of my favorite ones. And that's one that I thought John Williams did. But it was Silvestri. Here we go. Starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark or Iron Man. Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner and the Hulk for 30 seconds. Chris Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, the Captain America. Scarlett Johansson, your girl, as Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange, Dr. Stephen Strange, my boy. Uh, Don Cheadle, not Terrence Howard, as James Rhodes, War Machine. Tom Holland, uh, I'm Peter Parker. Oh, I'm sorry, are we using our our fake names? I'm (laughs) Spider-Man. Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, the Black Panther. Paul Bettany as Vision. Well, the impotent vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, my girl, is Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. Anthony Mackie is Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Sebastian Stan is Bucky Barnes, the White Wolf. Uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Idris Alba as Heimdall. Peter Dinklage. Tyrion. <laughs> Tyrion is in this as Eatry. Benedict Wong is Wong. Palm Clementif as Mantis. Karen Gillan as Nebula. Dave Batista as Drax the Destroyer. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. I could keep going. The voice of Vin Diesel is Groot. The voice of Bradley Cooper is Rocket. Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. Benicio del Toro as Tanelir Tavan the Collector. Chris Pratt as Peter. Quill, Star-Lord. Danae Guerrera as Okoye. Letitia Wright as Shuri. William Hurt as Thaddeus Ross. Winston Duke as Mbaku. Jacob Badalon as Ned. Samuel L. Jackson and Kobe Smulders as Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Ross Marquand as the voice of Red Skull, the Stonekeeper. And Josh motherfucking Brolin as Thanos. Wow. And Stan Lee as Peter Parker's bus driver. <laughs> and, there's wow. an, and there's an extra in this who's playing Tobias Funke from Arrested Development in the Collector's Collection. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This lineup. If you think that like, lineup is long, wait till Endgame. <laughs> well, I mean, not only is it just long, it's just, has there ever been a movie before this with this many star-studded actors or actresses? No, no, it's, no. It's even the canon, insane. Even the Cannonball Run movies of the 80s didn't have this many stars in it. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, it's time to get into the making of this movie. Here we go. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. 
movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. In October 2014, Marvel announced a two-part sequel to Avengers Age of Ultron, titled Avengers Infinity War. Part 1 was scheduled to be released on May 4, 2018, with Part 2 scheduled for May 3, 2019. In April of 2015, Marvel announced that Anthony and Joe Russo would direct both parts of Avengers Infinity War, with back-to-back -back filming expected to begin in 2016. The next month, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely had signed on to write the screenplays for both parts of the film, which draws inspiration from Jim Starlin's 1991 The Infinity Gauntlet comic and Jonathan Hickman's 2013 Infinity comic. Anthony Russo added the film was inspired by 1990s heist films, with Thanos kind of on a smash and grab to acquire the Infinity Stones, and everybody's trying to catch up the whole movie. Producer Kevin Feige said that the Infinity War films were subtitled Part 1 and Part 2, quote, because they have such shared elements it felt appropriate, but I wouldn't call it one story that's cut in half. I would say it's going to be two distinct movies. In May of 2016, the Russos revealed that they would retitle the two films to further remove their misconception that they were one large film split in two, with Joe Russo stating, quote, the intention is we will change the titles, we just haven't come up with them yet." End quote. That July, Marvel revealed Part 1's title would be shortened to simply Avengers Infinity War. Part 2's title would have to wait. In early of March 2018, Disney moved the release of Infinity War in the United States to April 27, 2018, to have it be released the same weekend as some of its international markets. With an estimated budget in the range of $316 to $400 million, it is one of the most expensive films ever made. Hell, Chris Evans and Chris Emsworth both earned $15 million apiece for the film. Now, there's a lot more to this, but we'll get into that when we do Endgame, since both of these films were produced at the exact same time, and there is a lot of overlapping information. All right, Steve, do you remember seeing this for the first time? What did you think? The best word that comes to mind was, is finally. <laughs> yes, I finally really remember seeing this in the theater. Because there's so many of these movies before that I just, ah, I can't really remember what it was. It was more likely on the Joe journey. And mm -hmm. like I said last time, this is unfortunately, that was the end of the Joe journey was Black Panther. Yeah. Um, took the wife because even she was very interested in seeing all these movies as she traveled through the Joe journey with me. Oh. I entered this film very excited to see this movie, just like how I was when um, episode three, The Revenge of the Sith came out. I was glued to the screen, <laughs> saw the movie, and I left wanting even more. This was absolutely in a, a worldwide event, and I 
I really liked it at that time, the first time that I saw it. How about you? Uh, I remember reporting about this movie when we were doing the news show originally and hearing that it was only going to be one movie. There was supposed to be a trilogy of Avengers movies. It was Avengers, then Age of Ultron, then we were going to do Infinity War, and it was supposed to be one movie. And then when they split it up into two, I thought, oh, crap, they're going to do the same thing they did with Hunger Games, and they did with Mockingjay and all that shit, and Deathly Hallows, you know, take the last movie, divide it into two, it's going to be bad. And then I went into this movie, and I... I witnessed Thanos <laughs> and I became a child of Thanos <laughs> and, and I felt salvation as Ebony Ma would say, this is, I, I kept waiting throughout this entire series of when this movie was going to, when this series was going to fall apart and it just never did. And if there was one point, then this could have done it is if Thanos didn't work. And it reminds me of when, uh, George Lucas was caught saying, if Jar Jar doesn't work, this whole movie doesn't work for Phantom Menace. If mm-hmm. Thanos doesn't work for this movie, the whole movie won't work. And oh my God, I think I saw Infinity War at least three times in the same weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I remember hearing you yeah. talking about that. I was enthralled. I couldn't get enough of it. And then when I bought it on Blu-ray, I must have watched it on repeat for like three or four days. I, I was, it was so great. So, so much fun and such a turn from what we've seen from your typical superhero movie by the end of the movie. And we will get to yeah. that when we get to that. Oh. oh, we will get to a lot. But now is no time to mourn. Well, it's time to start walking through this movie with a synopsis courtesy of the Marvel Wiki page, IMDb, and Wikipedia. Kill the clip! Oh, yeah. You're much more of a Thanos. I take it the Maw is dead. This day extracts a heavy toll. Still, he accomplished his mission. You may regret that. He brought you face to face with the master of the mystic arts. Where do you think he brought you? Let me guess. Your home? It was. And it was beautiful. Titan was like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. They called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor. Who wants to murder trillions. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist. I call that mercy. And then what? I finally rest and watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. I think you'll find our will equal to yours. Deep in space, the Statesman has been attacked by the Sanctuary 2, the ship of Thanos. Half of its passengers have been killed by the Black Order, the children of Thanos. 
One of them, Ebony Maw, announces that the survivors should rejoice in their defeat by Thanos. With Heimdall and Thor unable to even stand, Loki is brought before Thanos himself. Thor, Heimdall, and Loki soon find out that Thanos, wielding the Infinity Gauntlet, already accommodating the Power Stone, had begun his quest of hunting down the Infinity Stones personally. Which kind of leads to that one scene you like so much, that post credit scene where he goes, fine, I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite post credit scene out of the entire MCU. Now, the voice at the very beginning that you hear that's making the distress call is Kenneth Branagh, and he's the original director of Thor. They're just bringing back everybody for these films. I'm telling you, they wasted no time. It, the, the only person they did bring back was Taiki, Taika Waititi. You know, and I'm pretty sure they probably saved money doing this because it's like, do you want to be a part of this Infinity War saga? And they're probably like, oh, I get a small part. Yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. You know, I think it's very fitting. They brought Kenneth Branagh to do this since he opened Thor and now he gets to close the close the curtains on Asgard. Yes, definitely. I love Ebony Maw's opening monologue. It literally hangs in my classroom at the front door. These opening line, this opening line is so iconic. This is it, it. I don't know who of the writers thought to write that, but it's just absolutely ingenious. It's just, it will forever be legendary. Yes. Yeah. And I'm I, sure it's even up there with one of the best movie quotes of all time. And I can't think of a better way to introduce Thanos. I mean, he, Ebony Ma is basically like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting to see him. Here's the man. Thanos! <laughs> and, a great introduction to him. And jo- I think you can agree. Josh Brolin's voice is perfect for Thanos, but there's only one person I think could do it better. Idris Elba. Yeah, but he's already a character. I know, but they both have the same tenor of their voice. So it's almost like I could see them both doing it. Because, you know, we've seen Idris as a bad guy in the Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw movie. Well, I really? saw it. You didn't see it. And there's a reason why. <laughs> Thanos demands that Loki hand over the Tesseract, threatening to kill Thor if he doesn't comply. Loki initially hesitates, to which Thanos responds by torturing Thor with the Power Stone. Eventually, Loki can no longer see his brother suffer and reveals the Tesseract, which he had retrieved from Odin's vault prior to Asgard's destruction, much to Thor's disappointment and Korg's fault. However, (laughs) Loki doesn't hand it over and buys sufficient time for Hulk to attack Thanos and save Thor from Thanos' grasp. Unfortunately, Thanos quickly overpowers and subdues the Hulk. Thor attempts to fight Thanos only to be quickly defeated and immobilized in pieces of metal by Maw. With the statesman's surviving members helpless against the power of Thanos, Heimdall saves the Hulk's life by summoning the power of the Bifrost Bridge the last time and teleporting him to Earth and safe from harm. Whoa! Hulk just got his ass kicked, and Thanos didn't even use the Power Stone. He's just so powerful. This is just a huge shock to the audience, and I was just in a bit of shock. And you could even see it on Hulk slash Banner's face, like, oh, crap. I mean, he was was never even like that against Abomination, and that was his... the last time he faced his equal. Yeah, yeah. And considering he went toe-to-toe with Iron Man in Age of Ultron with that Hulkbuster stuff, this shows how strong a fighter Thanos really is. I mean, this scene is designed to basically not just introduce the character, but introduce why you should fear him. This dude just took out your most powerful Avenger. Yeah, and even the people who he's with, the children of Thanos, are just like, Ebony Magos, shh, he's got this. Let him have his fun. (laughs) I'm like... What? Yeah. Uh, Ebony Maw uses the force. 
I would take him over anybody in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, he could rival anybody. Would he? <laughs> you would take him over Master Yoda? Yes, I would. Wow. Yeah, because Ebony Maw has better quotes. <laughs> Wow, too. I mean, Yoda's <laughs> got his fair share of quotes. Wow. Yoda's okay. got his fair share of fortune cookie wisdom. But I'm sorry. When we hear Ebony Moss say later on, <laughs> your tricks are quaint. You must be popular amongst children. <laughs> so I guess you can almost say that he's the he's exact opposite of Yoda. Yes. I mean, he's taller and skinnier, and he's, you know, on the – but dark side. Oh yes. And Yoda is the short and stout and really old, and uh, he's all light side and even their quotes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in retaliation, Thanos kills Heimdall, leaving Thor in anguish. After this, the Tesseract, which has been left on the floor, is handed over to Thanos by Maw. Thanos crushes the Tesseract and inserts the space stone within within it into his gauntlet. Now in possession of two stones, Thanos orders his children to invade Earth and retrieve both the Mind Stone and the Time Stone. Loki then suddenly interrupts by pretending to pledge loyalty to Thanos. As he does so, he commits the bold yet fatal action of trying to kill Thanos with a dinky little dagger. Thanos sees through Loki's attempt and foils him with his newly acquired stone and proceeds to grab him by the neck. Thor only watches helplessly as Thanos breaks Loki's neck and Steve's heart before his very eyes. Thanos uses the Power Stone to destroy the Statesman while he and the Black Order teleport away, leaving Thor to die as he mourns over his brother's dead body as the ship explodes around him. It is great to see that Loki's arc remains unchanged, ends his life on the side of good. He even uses the name Odinson. There was a... There, there was a mean, there was a lot of meaning when he says that and then looks directly at Thor. Yeah. Um, how he tries to kill Thanos, yes, what? is very uh, yeah. really Loki. <laughs> it's but, but think about it, it's so him. It totally fits him. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I said it during Ragnarok. What does Loki really bring to a fight? He doesn't bring much. Ciao, I mean, please. <laughs> he can't. He can't outwit Thanos. It was that, 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 that's all he's got. So it's just like, OK, this is it, I, I'm sorry. I, I I guess if people don't like it, it, it yeah, that's his character. He brought a knife really to a is. gauntlet fight. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's what he can do. I, yeah. I thought this was smart, though, showing that the stone was inside the Tesseract instead of him just sticking the Tesseract on his glove. A lot of people were wondering how they were going to actually take all these items that the stones were uh, to be representative of and how would he put them into his his gauntlet himself. And it turns out if you crush the Tesseract, it's in there. The only one they don't actually show is the reality stone, which is liquid. So, dude, okay. I got an issue with that because that's just like we we debated for the longest time that – that was a liquid. And then when we see it on screen, it's a stone. Which it's a it's a cosmic thing. It, I'm glad we uh, didn't see it because I think if we did see it, we'd have more to argue about. At least it should be like a gel cap. A gel cap? It's a Tylenol? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You know, it still can fit in there, but it's like got some fluidity to it. I don't know. It's It, it just would have kept that the same. Um, and I just still can't believe that all these major characters are being killed off already. Oh yeah. They didn't waste any time. I'm, yeah. Heimdall, <laughs> Loki. And I'm sorry. 
just like probably a lot of people, mm-hmm. maybe you yourself, I don't know. Well, you are you are wise beyond your years. Um, All of Asgard it, is gone. Well, it just sent chills down my spine. I was like, dude, I even thought Thor was dead. Yeah. Yep. Because of all this. And I'm just like, what am I getting myself into? And in this, and then the main title pops up and I'm like, ah, there it is right now on my arm. Goosebumps. Yes. That's the first time. Turns the legs to jelly. Oh, it's exactly <laughs> what it did. <laughs> Meanwhile on Earth. Hulk crashes into the New York Sanctum via Bifrost and turns back into Bruce Banner, informing Doctor Strange and Wong about Thanos. Strange and Banner find Tony Stark, who is having a date with Pepper Potts, and brings him to the Sanctum as well. Strange, Wong, Banner, and Stark, it's a law firm, discuss the Infinity Stones, eventually surmising that Thanos is looking for both the Time Stone, held in the Eye of Agamotto, and the Mind Stone, kept by Vision. Banner insists that Thanos is the most formidable enemy that have that they have ever faced, revealing that he was Loki's sponsor during the Battle of New York and will wipe out half the universe if he completes the Infinity Gauntlet. Stark suggests simply destroying the Time Stone since they've got it on hand, but Strange refuses as he and Wong have pledged to protect it with their lives. Banner asks where Vision is, and Stark admits that he's lost track of him. You lost another Superbot? <laughs> Stark brings Banner up to date with everything that happened since he left Earth. The Avengers have disbanded, and he is no longer on speaking terms with Steve Rogers. Banner implores Stark to call Rogers, insisting that whatever happened between them doesn't matter compared to what is coming. Convinced, Stark takes out the phone Rogers sent him after the Avengers Civil War and prepares to make the call. This is by far the most scared you will ever see Banner. Yes. Pure terror when Strange and Wong see him as he broken through the staircase. Mm-hmm. And that's just great acting by Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Uh, Stark... Has a vi- he's talking with Pepper. He has, he has a vision of having a daughter named Morgan. And in Endgame, huh, his kid's name is Morgan. Look at that. Yeah, I couldn't really remember that. I just kind of took it like, okay, that was connected. Yeah, I love watching also Benedict Cumberbatch and Robert Downey Jr. go head to head. I think they're great. Dude, this is classic versus Stark versus the world. He would go great against anybody, but Strange, he he knows that he's like the cream of his crop and he doesn't answer to anybody. Yeah. Uh, It's almost like Tony enjoys playing devil's advocate. And I think, I mean, you and I talked during Doctor Strange about how we were comparing Strange to Stark and how Strange was kind of like Stark, but more serious. Yes. And this is like, you can tell Strange is tired of all the BS that Stark is doing. Well, yeah, that used to be Strange. Yeah. Before he became, before he went to uh, Kathmandu. And right? I, yeah, you're right. And and this it this scene at the very end of it when they talk about Captain America, this is what I tried to explain during the original Civil War podcast. This is the type of event that could reunite the Avengers. I remember you talking about that and hearing that, and it totally makes sense. Yes, because you got to disband everybody, put them at their weakest moment, and what will bring them back? Something truly epic and threatening but, and no this is, this is perfect but what's interesting is that they are never together in this movie oh that's right they are Iron separated through this Cap- entire movie they don't reunite until the beginning of endgame i'll Wait. tell you it almost it, it almost seems super petty super petty by tony stark says uh we're not on speaking terms anymore yeah well, it's just like, you're, yeah, you're right. But they've also never faced anything like this before. They don't know what this is. 
I get that, but yeah. they're kind of acting like little kids. Well, I'm not talking to him. You know, you know if you want to talk, can you tell Cap that uh, I don't like him? You know, but, no, no, no. Just, it seems just so childish. Like two kids fighting in the backseat of a car. <laughs> um, Wong. Yes. Wong, I said it before, Dr. Strange, is the greatest storyteller. I can listen to that man on her oh. audio book. Yes. Uh, he has a great explanation of something that's just – so important to <laughs> everything that we have seen and done so far. It's short and sweet, and it's so easy to understand. Oh. And um, the humor in the scene when he's leaning on the, uh, the cauldron. Shallows, of... I, yeah, I can't remember all yeah. the specific names. Then they're talking about ice cream. It's so quick. It's so typical Marvel. Stark raving hands. And then they move on. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk, uh, Hulk, a burning fudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hulk, a chuck, a burning love, or something like that. But it's not in your face like what Ragnarok did. Right. And it's definitely the humor is like totally it's not like it's non-existent, just like in Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was probably one of the most serious films that we saw. Yes. With very, 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 very little humor. This is perfectly placed in the middle. I agree. But we, you and I talked before about how eventually when we get to this movie, we want, we want to do something special. Steve, you brought this up. You wanted to do this. So let's rank the Infinity Stones from most important to least important. Gotcha. Uh, now, because you've put more thought into this than I have, uh, I'm gonna let you go second. But for me, my number one ranking for the power, the Infinity Stones, is the Power Stone. And the reason why it's the most important to me is because I don't think you can eradicate life without the power. You can do it with it. You can't do it with anything else there. Space, you can move them around. Reality, you can change whether they think they're alive. Mind, ooh, I think you're dead. Uh, soul. We really don't know what the soul stone does. Um, time, it just people backwards, but power, that can destroy everybody. We saw it destroy Asgard. Mm -hmm. My number two is the time stone because, hey, if you fuck up with the power stone, just use the time stone. You can use it again. <laughs> uh, my third is the soul stone. And the reason why the soul stone is because um, I think the soul stone is the final necessary element to eradicate the soul of a human being, not just their body. If you because we've noticed from Dr. Strange, they talked about the difference between the body and the soul. So yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, the mind stone is my number four because you have to think where everybody is. <laughs> my number five is the reality stone because I don't know. You're just changing what people see, but realistically, it, like really that's it. It's, a, it's an illusion. And my number six is the Space Stone, because honestly, Steve, they all have f***ing spaceships, and they can warp through places. They don't need the Space Stone. So those are my six right there. What are your six? My six, in order from most powerful to least powerful or important, um, I put my number one as the Time Stone. It kind of burns me to say this, but what Doctor Strange did in Doctor Strange, I know that was your top for me what he did to oh my gosh i can't remember the name of the villain it's the parallax of the mcu dormammu and what thanos kind of does later in the film with it time is everything it is like the ultimate killer now i know you said that the power stone can like literally eradicate and do a lot of killing in mass yes it can but when as soon as you said that i thought of the first time dr strange used the time stone and it was to show bringing back to life and decaying of the apple. So you can fast forward and probably do that too, just, just as much as the power stone. Okay. So that's why, for to me, the time stone is the number one, because time is just the ultimate killer. 
power <laughs> it's kind of in the name yes <laughs> uh, it's I, I, again i can't put it as most powerful because i again i think the time stone can undo anything and everything of what all these stones can do okay the soul stone i was thinking of actually dropping it down because what have we seen that it really does we know how he gets it and i mean that's got to put some importance on it already you got to give you know, kind of a sacrifice to get it. Yes. But other than that, I mean, we haven't really been seeing it being used. Mom, my number four, the reality, it's just completely unreal. The stone that should be renamed to the something screwy here stone. (laughs) (laughs) That was absolutely perfect for that. It's... You know, I know you kind of put it a little bit lower, and I just put it one spot up, you know, so not a whole lot of difference. But what made me think about it when you were talking about it was you can trap somebody in an alternate reality for the rest, and they just have to deal with it. Almost kind of like what Strange did to Dormammu and put him in an endless loop. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that what probably gives the reality stone just a little bit more. Uh, the space stone, this is just Heimdall on a stone, really. The uh, the Bifrost. <laughs> I think if, if anything, it just acts quicker than that. I, I'm I, I'm willing to guess that it's just instantaneous. I guess through the Bifrost, you got to do a little bit of traveling, um, time wise. But I don't know. That's talking about time and space is kind of almost irrelevant. And then the Mind Stone. Again, have we really seen what it does? I understand yes, we have. It's a point you have to think about where everybody. No, 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 no. No, I'm wrong there. I know what the Mind Stone is now. We totally forgot about this. Go ahead. The Mind Stone is what Loki used to control everybody's minds in the Avengers. The Scepter oh, was the Mind Stone. That's right. He did do that. So he just, uh, so he control. that's how he controlled and kind of had it. That's what he did to Hawkeye. Yes. Correct? Yep. Okay. And, and Selvig. Okay. So I guess you have to be within a certain range of somebody to use the Mind Well, I guess that's, the scepter was his tool to use it. And I guess the gauntlet is his tool to use it, but I guess you have to be within a certain rate. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I still keep it where it's at. Okay. I All still right. keep it where it's at, but I guess like, I, I will say that now we kind of have seen what it does, but eh. yeah, you could just teleport your army away and be done with them. Sure. Or just fly them Space away. Them. Or just give them an alternate <laughs> reality or just, you know, so according them to it, Turn them to a little baby with the time stone. According to this, the power stone manipulates space and teleportation. The mind stone is telepathy and mind control. The power stone is manipulating energy, enhancing strength and durability. The reality stone, ability to alter reality and transform matter to dark matter. And the time stone, manipulate time and create a time loop. And the soul stone, manipulate the living and the dead and steal souls. So there you go. That's what their capabilities were. Okay. Okay, here we go. Before he can, however, an ominous hum rings through the air, accompanied by a change in airflow. A massive ring-shaped cue ship hovers above New York City, causing panic and fear in the streets. Strange manages to shut the ship's engines off as Ebony Maw and another of Thanos' children, the hulking Cull Obsidian, approach them. While Strange, Stark, and Wong and Banner confront the invaders, the cue ship is witnessed from afar by Peter Parker who rushes in to investigate. A turbulent battle erupts in the streets, but Banner finds himself unable to transform into Hulk despite his best efforts. 
as Wong fights Cull, trapping him in the Arctic with his sling ring. Ebony Maw, a fierce telekinetic, successfully abducts Strange with Time Stone in tow. Unbeknownst to Ma, however, both Iron Man and Spider-Man, who is granted his Iron Spider armor, manage to stow away in Ma's Q-ship. As Wong returns to the Sanctum to protect it, Banner finds Stark's phone and decides to call Rogers himself. So far in this movie, this film, in my opinion, has done an absolutely amazing job. Those hold-your-breath moments. Oh, I agree. The fight sequences in this movie are all great. Yes, and I think I first recognized that. That wasn't the first hold your breath moment, but I really, it's, it stuck out in my mind when Stark goes, Hey doc, you're not moving your hair on because of that. Right. And then all of a sudden they <laughs> all turn around. And I think that was a trailer scene too. Yeah, it was. We see all face and they're like, what is going on? And then there's just silence. Yep. And then you hear the slow build of noise. And it's just like, exactly. Yeah. We, we witnessed my breath. In. We met, we went, we witnessed Tony's nanotech. Is this from Wakanda? This is the sleekest suit that we've seen. I think so, and I think I touch on that later. Of uh, I'm thinking that it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really hate to sound like the broken record, but no break. when Banner and Stark are going back and forth, waiting for Hulk to appear, <laughs> it's absolutely classic. And I guess when I say broken record, it's like, this is just a classic line. The audience loved this. I remember when I was in the theater, and they were just going back and forth. Yeah. The audience was just laughing hysterically, and it's just so well-placed. And it's not in your face. I, I, I loved it. What about you? I love when he says, uh, "You ready for this?" And he goes, "No, but when do I ever get what I want?" <laughs> I love the line. He says, "Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the, the wizards." wizards. <laughs> Dude, what what is that? It's nanotech. I got it off, and then it cuts off, and that's why I think maybe they got it from Wakanda. I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe. Uh, Ebony um, Maw is a bad. Yeah, he takes out Doctor Strange so easily. Yes, he does. Well, it kind of made me think, hmm, that's all you needed to do. You could then just walk, after you do that, just walk into his little chamber, and then you can just take the time stone as you please. It is the worst defense ever. Still, I'm holding it to this day. All you got to do, put a little bit of metal, just glue him against the wall, and then go ahead and take it. So... In response to that, it's a simple spell, but quite powerful. See, you can kill Strange, but you can't kill a dead man's spell. That's that's very true. It's very true. So realistically, that would be like having a car, but there's no engine in the car. You can take the car and put your own engine in. Enjoy your little pebble that you got. It's worthless to you. So, yeah, yeah. Worst defense ever? I I think not. What about Spider-Man? Yeah, let's talk about him now. <laughs> I just absolutely, again, love the meshing of characters. It's such a cool thing to see. What can really top all this? I mean, first you got you know Thor, Loki, Thanos, and then all of a sudden you got Stark going with Strange and Hulk, and then now you got Spider-Man jumping into the scene. It's uh, What's better than this? There isn't anything <laughs> better than this. There, there is... is something, but I'm just kind of... <laughs> There's there's <sighs> nothing better than this right now. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> right now there isn't something better than this, but I will say that they the Russo brothers. There's a one of the featurettes on the uh, home video release. Home video release. What is this? 1988. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the VHS copy. Um, boy, imagine this was a VHS copy. Um, 
was that they, when they were putting together people, they were like, they called it strange alchemy, which was taking two people you'd never thought you'd see on the screen together and put them in the same scene. Mm. And it would work. And every time they did that in this movie, it worked magnificently. So I think that the, the Russo brothers and McFeely and Marcus were really smart in putting that in there. Like, let's not put together the same people we always see together. Let's mix it up. It's something that at least I have never seen in cinematic history. Yeah. And it's, they, they, they blew it out of the water. Uh, plot wise, I think it's smart to sideline Hulk because otherwise this would be over. But this also makes Banner a meaningless character since his science skills aren't even used in this movie at all. Yeah. So when you say if Hulk actually came out and he was his traditional Hulk, when you say traditional, this, 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 okay. I want to see the, we all, I want to see the Hulk from incredible Hulk, that Hulk against Thanos, that Hulk might've stood a chance. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I can't say no, because we haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of the new, um, the Spider-Man armor or like not, not the one he gets from Tony, but I guess like the Stark tech one. Yeah. Almost. It's a little bit better than his old PJs. What did you think of that? I think it's smart the way they design these things on the screen, because if it's going to be an upgrade, it better look like an upgrade. And this is a great upgrade for (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. How he puts on his uh, web shooter all of a sudden, like when he's on the bus and then slowly puts on his gear i can only assume that the gear kind of goes on the same way um the only problem i had is when he goes up into space i think a little bit later he should have been dead slash frozen slash completely obliterated at yeah that time. yeah i'm curious i've heard people say well he wasn't in space he was in the atmosphere i'm like listen you're that high up you ain't doing too well exactly how did banner find the phone <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, just like I do, just like everybody else, when you're not looking for something, you find it. And when you're looking for something, you don't find it. But he was teleported to a completely different area, and then he came back to the same spot? Uh, it could have been Strange's design. Ah. Uh, I, and I love the fact that when Iron Man leaves, he goes, Wong, you're right at my wedding. Dude, can you imagine Wong being ordained? It oh, would be perfect. I'd want to get married by Wong. He should not only be invited to the wedding, but he should be the one marrying them. That yes. would have been cool. I agree. Having survived the vacuum of space after the Statesman Blast, Thor is rescued by the Guardians of the Galaxy who received the Asgardians distress call. They take him aboard the Benatar, <laughs> where Thor tells of how Thanos killed half the Asgardians to obtain the Space Stone and decimated Xandar to obtain the Power Stone. Gamora recounts how Thanos traveled from planet to planet, killing half the population of each, and will do the same to the entire universe should he complete the gauntlet by merely snapping his fingers. They figure that Thanos will be headed to nowhere in order to take the reality stone from the Collector. Thor decides to leave for Nidavellir as he intends to ask Eatree the Dwarf to craft him a new weapon. Thor leaves with Rocket Raccoon and Groot, while Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax the Destroyer, and Mantis depart for nowhere. Now, I was worried about how they'd integrate the goofiness of the Guardians with the Avengers. But this works. I mean, sometimes the jokes run a little long, but that's a comedic opinion. And I think it's a nitpick then. I I agree. I was kind of thinking about that as you were um, kind of reading that when specifically when Star-Lord talks about, I need to get a Bowflex. I'm going to commit. You know? <laughs> you know, he talks about that for an extended amount of time, and you just constantly see it on his face. Get some and I remember, the first, I remember the first time that I heard, saw that and how that was like, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I got it. I got it. Okay. But I mean, I still liked it. It was yeah. still fun. I thought introducing them with uh, Rubber Band Man. Oh, it's a great it was song. Just, it's just a great way to introduce them when you hear the music. That type of music. You think of Guardians. Yes. They yeah. kept the 80s theme in the right spot, and I loved it. I agree. And also, it's at this point in the movie when I noticed that they really are starting this movie where everybody in the entire Avengers universe has left off in their stories. Mm-hmm. Like wherever they left off, that's where they started in this movie. And I thought that was super smart because otherwise you're sitting there going, wait, what were they doing in the meantime? You know what they were doing in the meantime. There were 19 movies telling you what they were doing in the meantime. Uh, I love that they can all speak Groot now. <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. Oh, the acorns on you, son. <laughs> I like and hate Groot. He's just a spoiled turd. I think that's just why I hate him. He's a middle schooler. Uh, yeah, he really is. <laughs> what did you think of? Uh, th- there had to be something there. I know when you're, you say. see Groot playing the game, and it says the Defender. Yeah. Do you think that was a call to the Netflix shows? It could have been. I don't know. Uh-huh. If, if it was called Defenders, that'd be funnier. Yeah. Defenders a video game from the 80s it, so it could have maybe maybe it's an easter egg where they're like look eh, Defender hey watch the show on Netflix that doesn't matter to us yeah I guess it, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could take it either way you know they probably thought of both ways but didn't want to come out and say that it kind of was yeah so they they again they played it perfectly but they had to zoom in on that for a reason well you and you I know, you already knew he was playing a video game you and I talked about the Netflix shows and whether or not they'd be involved in the Infinity War and we we would bat it back and forth. And I think we can realize after seeing this movie, they wouldn't stand a chance here. They have no place with these, with this group of people. No, because only because I they, mean, they're already represented in our heroes. Now. I mean, yeah. Luke Cage would Hulk. be Hulk. Granted Hulk isn't very present in this film. Um, Daredevil. Uh, I would put him about as close as uh, Black Widow. I'd say I'd say that uh, him and Iron Fist are the Black Widow and Hawkeye. Correct. Yeah. And then Jessica Jones would be uh, your what Maria Thor? Maria Hill. <laughs> well, your female version of Thor because she's got the, got those godlike powers. Okay. I don't know. And she gets drunk kind of like Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does. Yep. Sucks <laughs> herself <laughs> <up> a drink. <laughs> Uh, having Thor be the bridge to the guard, bringing the Guardians to the Avengers, I think is well plotted out. I am wondering though how Thor survived in space. Thoughts? So I thought about this too as soon as he blasted onto the windshield. And the only thing explanation that I can think of is he is a god. But isn't everybody in Asgard? Mm. We don't know that. We do, because they said at the very beginning that the Asgardians were seen as gods by the people on Earth. They're seen as gods, but are they gods? Well, if that's the case, then is, 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 well, we don't know. That's kind of up in the air. Like, how did Thor survive, but no one else on that ship did? I guess it's proven that he is God. Or maybe Princess Leia came by. Thor did it much better. That's probably what should have happened to Leia. Hit the windshield. Well, let's be clear also. <laughs> Thor isn't minding, or the writers and the director aren't minding the physics of space that they've put in the past. If you remember, 
when we've seen people fly out into space on their own, they freeze up. Thor yes. is not frozen at all. No, because he's God. He's not a God. Nobody else. He's got to be God. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's a nitpick. <laughs> it is. The well, writing in this, okay. tying right. everyone's storylines together from the previous 18 plus movies, it's really uh, elegant. And it almost feels like it came from a previous material, but this is 10% source material from the comics and 90% is all brand new. It's perfect. I couldn't agree more. It's so well done and it's so captivating. And watching this for the third, fourth, fifth, 16th time. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> it's that it, this finally stuck out as like, Oh my God, this is, you can almost view this as a lot of nonsense mm -hmm. going back and forth with jokes and whatnot. But it's completely captivating. It has my attention. Yeah. So, well done. And the the this Thor that we get is a mix between the Ragnarok Thor and the Dark World Thor. The correct medium, I think, for the character. The act at the beginning of this, when they kill off Asgard, they kill off Loki, this is the movie that brings him back to being serious Thor again. It's a Ragnarok. Yeah, that's good, because we didn't really like him in Ragnarok. No, I liked him in Ragnarok. I just thought he was too goofy sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like throwing the ball against the glass. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, two more of Thanos' children, ambush Vision, who attempts to live a normal life with Wanda Maximoff in Scotland. Vision is deeply weakened in the attack, while Wax Mac Waximoff. <laughs> while Maximoff barely. Waximoff? Waximoff. <laughs> While Maximoff barely manages to hold her own against both assailants. However, reinforcements arrive in the form of Rogers, Falcon, and Black Widow, who have been contacted and filled in by Banner. Together, they force Proxima Midnight and a heavily wounded Corvus Glaive to retreat before returning to the new Avengers facility. I think it's funny how Scarlet Witch and Vision ended up together because people tend to forget that, they, that the stone that created Vision also gave Scarlet Witch her powers. Oh, yes. I totally agree because I totally forgotten just till, until right now. Yeah. And honestly, maybe that stone also took away her accent because that accent is gone now. Oh, man. The Mind Stone can do a lot more than what we think. Take away <laughs> accents and whatnot. That's crazy. Wow. First takeaway Hulk, now Vision. The next practically omnipotent character is sidelined from phasing through things. And you, here's the thing. You got to take these two out for this plot in this movie to work. At least Visions isn't done sloppily. Well, I liked how Hulk was taken out because everybody kind of, that was the one people talked about. It was Hulk really scared to come out. So, I mean, I like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Vision was just, Corvus Glaive just kind of stabbed him and says, oh, I cannot phase anymore. He was still his Superman type quality. No, no, no. Yeah, he remember, he's a, he's a robot. It took away his phasing part of his body. Yeah. Yeah, that I know. Yeah. So, huh? what? I think it's a really cool musical cue for when each of the secret Avengers show up to help Vision and Scarlet Witch. There's like this big downbeat whenever one shows up. Oh, the music. Yes, the music. <laughs> this was the first applause I remember seeing and hearing in the movie theater. Yes. It was it was a special reveal that after everything that's gone on so far, it it made it easy to forget about Cap. Yes, it because is. Because there's so much important stuff going on. I mean, and, and as soon as the train goes by, I was like, 
is that a silhouette? I, I, I literally had no idea who that was still. And now that I, you look at it, it's okay, that's the figure of Cap. Yeah. It wasn't until he catches the spear and then comes out. I was like, that's, it's just so, it's shot. And you hear perfectly. the music too, that. You're like, oh boy, it's going to go down now. Exactly. You know, I mean, this music score is so amazing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I know that I know. Black so Widow maybe your number two. Black Widow maybe your girl, but Scarlet Witch is mine because I'm pretty sure Witch could have taken care of both of Channel, Children of Thanos herself. She doesn't really need Cap in the Secret Avengers, but it's a smart move to have them always keeping an eye on Vision from afar because that's the that's the stone. They know that's a stone, and they clearly know how to work as a unit, as we saw at the beginning of Civil War, which is something that I lauded back then. So it does bring up a good point that she could have easily taken those two out. But do you think that she was just more preoccupied with vision safety that she just clearly plays defense because she's so concerned with vision? Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It just explains why all of her powers might not have been used during the scene. Well, vision's incapacitated here. And before cap shows up, she's backed up against the subway and she lights up both of her hands. Like, okay, now I'm done f***ing around. And that's when cap shows up. And I was like, Ooh, you should have had them take out Witch, and then as she's about to die, then Cap shows up. That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Cap, what yeah. did you th- what do you think about his new look? I uh, like the beard. Copied Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, out of all the Cap films, yeah. this is the leanest he ever looks. I like and the uniform. The beard just makes him look rogue. I like his uniform. It's all darker, and he's stealth now. He's stealth Cap. Yeah. Uh, remembering how Thanos destroyed half of the people and adopted her in the process, Gamora makes Quill promise that he will kill her if she gets captured by Thanos. Although Quill is reluctant, Gamora makes him promise and swear on his mother. He eventually agrees, and the two share a kiss. This is where we get the flashback of Thanos killing Gamora's people. Thoughts? Uh, It just explains why Gamora is related, I say that in quotes, to Thanos. But now that I remember the scene, I was kind of thinking about it and I was watching it, you know, on TV. It's when Gamora and Quill are talking to each other. It's a very, very quiet scene. Yes. And it's so it's to me, it's it's an important scene that, you know, bridges the connection of Gamora and her place with Thanos and what she knows. It's like I had to turn the volume way up just to hear what these two were talking about. I, I, I almost thought. Really? I hate to say I did because it was a very, very quiet scene. And almost like, you know, if you don't have that volume up, it could be even a snooze scene. I'm not saying that it's not relevant. Take it out. You do need it. But it was just very, very quiet to me. Well, I think that part of the part, I think part of the brilliance of the directors and Alan Silvestri was not just knowing where to put music, but wearing not to put music, because sometimes the lack of music gives you the seriousness of the scene that you need. And when they took it out in this. I mean, there's no music. It is just them talking. It makes you focus in on the words and not focus on the ambiance of it all. So and I think it's very important to see that because you have to know that this is the whole thing. This whole movie is basically how long can Gamora keep the secret? Because as long as she keeps a secret, Thanos never gets the stone. Oh. We see that later that she did spill the beads. Well, whatever Gamora knows, it's got to be as big as finding the exhaust board on the Death Star. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I love Drax being invisible. <laughs> this was another place where they put humor at an extremely, extremely serious scene. 
I know, I know. And I don't know why, but this fits. Maybe because <laughs> maybe because the scene was you got the, the you got everything you wanted to out of the seriousness of the scene. Yeah. It wasn't like it was like interrupted. What am I thinking? Oh, this is what I'm thinking. That this was a scene I was thinking of. That's just a bad placement for humor. When ego and everybody there are in the forest, and he goes, "Okay, I gotta go take a leak." Yes, yes, yeah. That's like right in the middle of a conversation. That seemed weird. Yeah. Uh, as they arrive on a deserted nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy witness Thanos violently interrogating the Collector over the location of the Reality Stone. Unfortunately, the group makes too much noise, and Thanos realizes their presence. Gamora goes on the offense, attacking and promptly defeating the Titan, who falls to the ground, seemingly killed. And credits roll. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just like, this, really? Wow. Yeah. This, that, okay. That was easy. <laughs> this is a clunky plan. And normally I would on this story, but the Guardians of the Galaxy have never gotten plan A to work ever. They're a clunky group. Yes. You said it right. Uh, Drax's selfishness brought Ronan the Accuser when he drunk-dialed him in the first Guardians movie, and in this, his selfishness tips off Thanos that there are people nearby. When Gamora kills Thanos, I don't understand why she's so crestfallen. She hates him. This is the only parent she probably even remembers, but she might remember her mother. We don't know what her father was. And clearly, she has daddy issues. But there's so much history between (laughs) these two, and... Now he's dead. I mean, before when Guardians first started, she was all about being on Thanos' side. It wasn't until the Guardians movie, kind of partway through it, where she decides to defect when she goes to that prison. So everything before that, she's been a daughter of the real children of Thanos, her and Nebula. And he's trained her and done everything that he can to make her his daughter and a warrior. So they have so much history together. So that's why I think she's so, you know, sad when she dies. Because, yes, he's a titan and an evil guy, but still her dad. Reality can be whatever I want. I hate that she's that unhappy about it. Because she has seemed as though she's been on a vendetta to kill this guy all along. Now she finally does it, and now she's unhappy. And it, that's exactly what Thanos needs. And I'm like, oh, that, I think that, I thought that was, a, you know, here's the thing. There's like 400 characters in this. I think they betrayed Gamora's character a little bit in this. That's my thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, however, the group discovers that Thanos has already acquired the reality stone and has been using it to cast a massive illusion. He drops the illusion, revealing a burning nowhere and himself alive and well. Thanos had expected Gamora to come and fight him and is aware that she is the only person who knows the location of the elusive soul stone. Thanos easily subdues Gamora and incapacitates Drax and Mantis. Quill aims to fire at Thanos' head, but Gamora begs Quill to keep his promise and kill her, with Thanos pushing Gamora against the gun, inviting him to do so. Despite his heartbreak, Quill pulls the trigger only for the gun to shoot harmless bubbles thanks to the reality stone. Thanos then teleports away with Gamora. Bubble seemed a little goofy here. <laughs> it was it was goofy. I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, I do like how the reality stone, the ether, works in this movie because we didn't see it work that way in the Dark World. I think it's better than what it was presented originally. Yeah, it was a really cool effect. How he just took the uh, 
nowhere how it normally is and then just completely transformed it into this destroyed place yes. that's just lit up on fire. Peter goes to sacrifice Gamora. Later, Thanos will sacrifice Gamora. Poor Gamora. <laughs> just... She is she is the sacrifice of this film. <laughs> yes. That is for damn sure. <laughs> so this was the first, like, pardon my French, the oh, <laughs> moment for Thanos. <laughs> I knew, we, we knew, uh, I... I'm not trying to speak for everybody, but I knew very little about him Yeah. other than what the MCU has already presented us in Guardians and all the um, crap, the post-credit scenes. Yeah. But he had an, he has an answer for everything and it just seems down. He just seems downright impossible to beat. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's leaving everyone in that ocean movement. And I finally got that when Peter picks up the dagger and the camera's pulling back and the music is playing. And I got to go back to the music. It's just at the right point in time. It's absolutely perfect. It was just a surreal moment in that movie for me. And to me, it convinces the audience that this is a new threat like none other. And maybe it's even impossible to beat. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, that I, I love what you said about the music, too, because it pulls back and you see the decimation of nowhere. But you also get the feeling like we've seen this with Asgard. We've seen this with the Guardians. It can, and, and these are the two more powerful beings in the galaxy. What are we going to do on Earth? Yeah. Uh, back at the facility, James Rhodes discusses recent events with Thaddeus Ross, who is outraged at Vision's recent disappearance. Rhodes, encounter, uh, Rhodes counters that Vision is only missing because of the Sokovia Accords, which even he now regrets signing. Rogers, Wilson, Romanoff, Vision, and Maximoff arrive, and Ross demands they all be arrested, and Rhodes kind of swipes left. <laughs> Rhodes cuts his transmission off, an act which will likely end his military career, and greets his old teammates. Banner emerges as well, sharing a brief reunion with everyone. Welcome, Rhodey. I love Don Cheadle as Rhodey. <laughs> yeah. Captain Planet, welcome to the show. Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I saw Banner, I did think that they were going to restart the Natasha Bruce romance. One would think, because even though um, Falcons, oh, this is a little awkward. And they just kind of share that moment and then dropped off. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to do something with it, but apparently just time has moved on from them. I guess then what was the point of that whole like 10 second scene between those two where they kind of match eyes? What was the point of it then? Well, she was the last person to try to communicate with him before he went away. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I'm sure he was felt like, shit, we kind of had a thing, a Sam and Diane kind of thing from Cheers here and didn't really... Well, work on my end. Yeah. And now, so. and now you got to think for Bruce, I mean, he can't get Hulk to come out. That was kind of the big problem why he couldn't get with her. Was the Hulk part. Mm. Yeah. Uh, after bringing everybody up to speed, Banner suggests calling in Hawkeye for help, but Romanoff explains that he, as well as Scott Lang, are unavailable, having surrendered themselves to the U.S. government, making deals to be placed under house arrest with their families. Together, the team decides that the Mind Stone must be destroyed and that Maximoff is the only member powerful enough to do so. However, in order to destroy the stone without killing Vision, Roger suggests traveling to Wakanda. Steve, there's no Hawkeye. There's no Ant-Man. They took deals and they're under house arrest. What do you think? Uh, there's so much other stuff going on in this movie. And when you think of those two, it's like, what the heck can they contribute? <laughs> You know, you got Hawkeye who just doesn't really have like this net, this superpower and Ant-Man, you know, 
out of both of those two, he's the more superhero of them, but what can he really do? Mm-hmm. So I guess at that time it's like, okay, it just explains where they were at. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Now we've got that. Let's focus on the rest. Yes. And you know, so I was okay with it. And vision is the Spock of this movie. Vision and everything vision says in all the movies is correct. Destroying the mind stone would stop Thanos. And if they did it right then and there, guess what? Story's over. <laughs> yeah, your Scarlet Witch is the only one being hung up on it. Which I can understand why. She's in love with him. No, I get it. Yeah. I, Seems a little selfish. It, well, love is a powerful emotion, my friend. Love is strange. <laughs> Doctor Strange? Uh, oh, here we go. In Wakanda, <laughs> T'Challa and... <Be> Bombay. <laughs> Hey, Bombay. <laughs> I'm so glad we're here. <laughs> In Wakanda, T'Challa and Okoye deliver a new vibranium arm to Bucky Barnes, who has recovered from his mental programming. Bucky Barnes, welcome to the party. <laughs> the White Wolf has rested enough. Uh, now, in the comics, Steve, I don't know if you knew this, but the White Wolf is a character in the comics, and he's actually the adopted older brother of T'Challa. So oh, they, I take it. They've repurposed the name for Bucky Barnes. I, I'm i good with it. it I'm visually co- and everything makes sense. And I guess you know, when they take him in and right, try to rehabilitate him, he's kind of an adopted brother. Here's, here's, there's a couple reasons why I accept this over the MJ Michelle thing. <laughs> okay. Ahead. The first reason why is because, well, they set a precedent in Black Panther of whenever somebody of a different race was on the screen, they pointed it out. Yes, he's the white wolf. So I can understand that piece. I can also understand the piece of it that T'Challa has kind of helped Bucky Barnes along the way get back to who he is, like a brother would. And so that mantle I can buy into now. I can buy into it. So the stuff that I had a problem with in Black Panther, which was them always pointing out the race stuff, it actually kind of works for the name of this character. The white wolf. He's not just the gray wolf or the brown wolf. He's the white wolf. And wolf is fierce. He's a badass. And he's got a brand new vibranium arm. Yeah. So I kind of, like, the MJ Mary Jane thing, Michelle thing, sorry. She was a sub-character. She was a, she didn't need to have the name change because she was a regular with no powers whatsoever. Take that, MJ. I'm just grinning because of how... How about you love the MJ? I hate it so much. <laughs> in Ebony Maw's Q-Ship, Stark and Parker successfully rescue Strange by blowing a hole in the ship's hull, a la Alien, fatally shooting Ebony Maw into space. While Strange advocates returning to Earth, Stark suggests keeping the course set on Titan in an effort to keep an element of surprise over Thanos. Strange agrees, but warns Stark that he will have to protect the Time Stone, even if it means sacrificing him or Parker. I wish there was a movie that was just Stark, Strange, and Parker. A spinoff. Yes. I think Marvel can do a good spinoff movie. A uh, well, considering that they're all spinoffs of the Avengers movies, right? Well, that's true. But then Disney has to have their hand in it, and they're not yeah. very good on spinoff movies. Uh, this does. Mm. This scene does illustrate, though, how close Parker and Stark have gotten. Clearly, it's a father-son relationship. Yes. Uh, what did you think of the all those like little tiny needles? I don't right like in front them. Of face? I don't <laughs> like them one bit. I don't needles bother me. I don't like needles. When my when I was younger, my brother would get shots and I would sit next to him and cry because my brother was getting shot with a needle. I don't like them. They. Mm, uh, I will never be a maybe, heroin addict. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. I just it, 
if I ever have to like give blood for something or whatever like that, I I, I can't stand it. I can't even look. I gotta look away. I go like, oh, I'll just read this label here on the side. Yep. And my boy Ebony Ma goes out like a bitch. I wish it was better. He's the right hand man that gets taken out so quickly. Yeah. So the only thing, but doing took- something so simple to take out a major threat. It's what Wanda should have done with the Mind Stone. But they also took out Hulk right away also. So, you know, I guess I can't complain then because they took out Ebony Maw like that. They took out Hulk like that, too. They took out Vision like yeah. that. They're taking out the and, main players. And it, it makes sense. You know, Ebony Maw, he's not a god. That's why he froze. That's oh. why Thor didn't freeze because he's a god. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the spider legs? From Parker Spider, it, it, it was a, uh, it, it was a little bit of a surprise, just like how Peter Parker felt. Says, "What are these?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just he just goes into like Christmas mode on every single time that something new comes out with the suit. He's a teenager. What did you think? I, I you know what? I want to see them in kill mode when when Karen goes to kill mode. I want to see that in Endgame. <laughs> uh, okay, I got a question about strange teleport teleportation circles. Uh, do they only work on Earth, or do they have to be, or do they have the range of the Space Stone? I would like to think that they have the range. So know. if that's the case, if because think about this in Endgame, we're gonna see you know in the portal scene, all of them show up from all over the place, including from Titan. If you can teleport using Strange's teleportation circles, then do you need the Space Stone? Well, for Strange, no, you don't need the Space Stone. But, I mean, not everybody can wield those circles like Strange can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but, no, I think that it, it can be used anywhere. You just got to know how to use them. And you have to have your little ring thing to do it, too. Yeah, you got to have your sling ring. Your sling ring, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Peter's officially an Avenger now. Yeah, that's good. Just the old crossing. He got knighted to it. Yep. So when Stark says... yeah. And this is when he's talking with Strange. Thanos has been in my head for six years. It stuck out the last time that I watched this film. And it was, this has his PTSD finally come full circle. It's still with him. And I'm so glad they did it nice and subtle like this. Because this is such a huge part of his character. Yeah. I.e. Iron Man 3. That was the major focal point of that movie. Want to change your grade? And I'm... You got me in that hold my breath moment. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting for that one. I got a whole bunch of these little ambushes involved, my friend. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, I'm just glad that they didn't abandon it (laughs) in this film. They they, they did it. Just let's. Okay, go ahead. Continue. See? Yeah, okay. (laughs) On the Sanctuary 2, Gamora tells Thanos that she doesn't know the location of the Soul Stone and calls her adoptive father insane for planning to exterminate half of all life in the universe, though Thanos insists on the righteousness of his ultimate desire for perfect balance. He informs Gamora that her home planet, Zen Huberi, has been thriving since he eradicated half of its population. As Thanos needs the Soul Stone to fulfill his goal, he reveals that Nebula is his prisoner. Thanos tortures Nebula in front of Gamora, slowly pulling her body apart. Unable to bear it, Gamora reveals that the Soul Stone is hidden on Vormir. (sighs) Thanos does what very few villains in movies have ever done. 
He actually gets the audience to believe that he is a man of conviction and actually has a point as twisted as it is. And, you know, based on his example here, he appears to be correct in mass genocide. Oh, wait, wait, no. Genocide is bad. Damn it. Starting with Thanos again. My bad. <laughs> yeah, he totally calls out our future generation. Oh, yes. Yes, and everybody's so used to full bellies, you know. <laughs> that was just a great call on this future generation. Now, I'm not saying that we should eradicate everybody to make it all equal, but that was the that was the parallel I got from the speech. A small price to pay for salvation. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's right. He's just mad in his delivery of it. Uh, Nebula being tortured, I think, is a really smart visual because you get the one angle where she seems all together, and as the camera pans around, you see she's completely torn apart. Oh, that was so cool. I thought I love illusions like that on ca- camera tricks and whatnot. Uh, Gamora does know where the Soul Stone is. Look at that. That is the exhaust port level reveal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile... Thor, Rocket, and Groot land in Nidavellir, where the forges have gone frozen and dark. They encounter Tyrion. I mean, Eatree. Now the only remaining dwarf on the forge. And he explains that Thanos ordered him to craft the Infinity Gauntlet, crippling the dwarf afterwards so that he could forge anything uh, He couldn't forge anything else. However, Thor convinces Eatree that, working together, they have the power to defeat Thanos. In order to do so, they plan on crafting a new weapon for Thor, the Stormbreaker, a weapon that yeah. can summon the power of the Bifrost. Uh. <laughs> um, what did you think between the conversation between Rocket and Thor? And okay. It, just sl- show, it slowly shows him breaking, yeah. and I just thought it was great acting by Hemsworth. This is what you would see in the final movie of this character. I mean, this is the type of acting you would expect to see. And, you know, we talked about in the original Thor about how that movie kind of gave us a glimpse as to the actor that Chris Hemsworth could be with this role. And this scene gives us to us right away. I mean, we learn that Thor is 1,500 years old, which is not bad for a geriatric. Uh, He wants a new he he wants a new hammer from Eatree. But, oh, it was kind of established that Thor doesn't need the hammer in Ragnarok. Uh, Rocket gave Thor an eye. He had snuck off a planet in his you-know-what. So he's he's got an ass eye in his head. We get Peter Dinklage as a giant-ass dwarf. And we get, well, <laughs> Stormbreaker, which can summon the Bifrost, which I think is pretty important. So I didn't really know that it wasn't until a couple times later that they, when they actually mentioned that it can summon the Bifrost. I thought it was really cool. I thought the name at first was a little cheesy, yeah. but then uh, maybe it was just lightning. Marvel comedy that just grew on me, yeah. but there was a lot of seriousness to what they gave the name. I just, uh, I don't know. At first I thought it was just like Stormbreaker. I was like, I was waiting for some kind of Nick's comment. Well, you know, didn't Rocket give like some kind of Nick's comment about it? I don't remember. Oh, I thought he did, but yeah. Um, yeah, so Storm, well, he's the god of thunder, you know, storms, thunder. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see it, but it almost seemed like he had that name lined up ahead of time. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Nitpicky, whatever. Well, on the sanctuary, too, Nebula manages to free herself and send a message to the Guardians of the Galaxy, imploring them using an important message recorder to meet her on Titan. I have a question, Steve. Why Titan? I thought Gamoris and Thanos were headed to Vormir. 
So I thought about this, and Ebony Maw's ship was originally headed to Titan, correct? To yes. deliver the Time Stone. Yeah. So that's why oh. Thanos was going there. I thought maybe she knew that they were going there and wanted to get the Guardians to help with the powers of Mantis, because she did control Ego. Yes. So why shouldn't she be able to not control Thanos? And that's kind of hence why the Guardians attacked the ship, because they think that Ebony Maul's on there. I just checked my bottom three, making sure that that was not in there. <laughs> you're, 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 you're right. <laughs> and when you're right, you're right. Um, now I lost where I was. There we are. Okay. Stark, Strange, and Parker barely managed to land the Q ship. They land it, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker style, on Titan's surface, where they are immediately ambushed by the Guardians, who have mistaken them for Thanos' minions. After a few tense moments where Quill believes Stark and his companions to be in league with Thanos, they all agree to work together. While the rest of the group tries to devise a plan, Strange uses the Time Stone to look into alternate futures. He then reports to his allies out of the 14,605 visions of the future that he foresaw they were victorious in none but only one alone. Another happy landing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a great scene. Uh, Stark's about the fight and Strange is about the odds. <laughs> Dr. Strange's meditation or whatever he's doing yep. is just so vital as it seems. It makes you think about every decision Strange makes after this now. Well, It's all part of the plan. There you go! Oh. <laughs> I love that quote, by the way. Oh, it's great. I, I, I do it in I class all the time. It. Okay, Thanos and Gamora teleport to Vormir, where they are greeted by Red Skull. What? Now acting as a keeper for the Soul Stone. Schmidt, Johann Schmidt, tells Thanos that he must sacrifice what he loves the most in order to obtain the stone. Gamora is sadly amused as she believes that Thanos does not love anyone or anything, making him incapable of completing the sacrifice or fulfilling his plans. Ha 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 ha! When she sees that he is crying, she is incredul incredulous at first, and then Schmidt tells her he isn't weeping for herself, himself, but for her. Thanos sacrifices his daughter by throwing her from the cliff to her death and later awakes in possession of the Soul Stone. I am so glad to see Red Skull again. I mean, it's a different voice actor, though, but it's a pretty good impersonation. This was a cool reveal in the movie. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this with the, next to the wife, and I'm like, oh, that's Red Skull. She's like, who? Because <laughs> you haven't seen him in such a long time. In 16 movies. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was Red Skull. That was Red Skull. And... I know before you mentioned that this is a completely different actor. And after you told me that, and then now realizing it, I can totally tell the difference all the way for how he looks. And the impersonation is still really good. Yeah. He does sound like him. It's a little heavier, thicker on the accent this time. But um, I, yeah, I can tell the difference now. But it's still really well done. I love seeing Red Skull again. Yeah, Hugo Weaving was the only actor that wouldn't come back. Mm. Uh, making the Soul Stone a prize of sacrifice. Uh, oh, let me start this. First of all, I think the Soul Stone still should have been one of Heimdall's eyes. I will I will go to my grave as that's what should have been. It's still really cool. I agree. Uh, making the Soul Stone a prize of sacrifice, it humanizes Thanos more. Uh, he, he, here's the thing. He clearly feels for Gamora, and it, that means he's got empathy. And the struggle with it when he's doing what he thinks is the right thing I mean, it's hard to watch. I feel for Thanos. I love watching Thanos crying, watching Gamora die. 
that's just what's so great about him as a villain is you can really relate to him and you can easily be on his side. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Gamora tries to kill herself and her, her knife turns to bubbles. Is Thanos into bubbles? I'll tell you, he knows how to use, he knows how to use that gauntlet when all of a sudden some unpredictability comes towards him. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, I not from, to that later. For me, this scene is gut wrenching. Watching Gamora struggle is gut wrenching. Watching Thanos struggle is gut wrenching, and I still cannot believe they killed her in this. Like I'm like, wow, nobody is safe in this movie. And you know what does that even more so to get to the audience? It's the damn music. Yes. Again, the music is just so that's it's a very very you, you hear that music more than once throughout the film on these heart wrenching scenes. This might have been my least favorite scene out of the whole film. What? Just because it's just, just because of how slow it was. Oh. Yes. You could have made Hemi's eyes. I kind of like that. Hemi's. And that would be just as cool. If not better. It is important because of Gamora's death, but that is it. So it kind of explains where Gamora, where, where they keep asking where Gamora is later on and that she was sacrificed. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's a bathroom break scene. It's not. It's definitely not, but it is slow. And I, I almost was like, now that I've seen this movie uh, and I know how it all works, I could fast forward through it and go to the end right where Thanos is waking up in the water, which doesn't seem like water. And it's a really cool effect. All right. Uh, all that, right. That, 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 that's what I would do. And all I right. love seeing Red Skull. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I got I I I gotta re- rebuke what you just said there, and it's not. And here's the reason why: as it, you need this scene because you have never you have not developed Thanos's character sufficiently to get the audience to be on his side, and this scene humanizes him to the point where you because you you've had 17, 18 movies beforehand where he just shows up for twenty seconds here or there. This is the movie where it's like, listen, this is the bad guy all along. We need you to buy into it. This scene slows it down, and yet you're focused on him the whole time. And because of that, you get the teardrop going down his eye. You realize that he does feel things. He's not just someone out to kill everything like we've seen in villains in the past. This guy actually is sacrificing something. And that's why I think the scene is the most important scene of this movie. Because if this scene doesn't work, it drops this grade. I 110% agree with you, but it's a scene you only need to see once for but, me. But that's it. After you that, need to see it. it. You need yeah. to see it. And that's the thing. You know, we're not talking about the rewatchability. We're talking about, is it in the movie? So take that. Oh, I, I get it. It was just slow. <laughs> Okay, meanwhile, the Avengers take Vision to Wakanda, where they are greeted by T'Challa and Barnes. They ask Shuri if she can safely extract the Mind Stone from Vision, and she confirms that she can, but that it will take some time. Maximoff is ordered to stand by at the operation table, ready to destroy the stone once it's free. Smart move. Moments later, massive dropships land outside of Wakanda's protective energy dome. Uh, Steve, we've said this before in Black Panther, Wakanda is just so damn cool. Oh, yeah. And then when the... Um... When the ships drop down at the end, yep, they almost look like little mini star destroyers. Yes, they do. How they detach? <laughs> yep. 
Uh, Shuri I, is definitely the next Tony Stark in this series. Uh, she is both Banner and Stark. Well, I think I would put her above Banner because she really pretty much calls out Banner. Right, like, right, right. Why didn't, why didn't you do this? Because we didn't think about it. And speaking of thinking about things, are the Wakandas really using the Gungan shield over their city? Hey, it works. It works. <laughs> okay, meanwhile, Thor and Rocket successfully revive the star core of Nidavellir, but due to the mechanisms of the forge being damaged, Thor is forced to risk his life using his own body to hold the forge's iris open. Another sacrificial play in this movie. This movie is making a point to show how self-sacrificing these heroes are, but it's also showing that a movie can have that sacrifice and still show the heroes lose something we never see. While you're reading this, the first thing that I, I, I thought of again, I was a little distracted by what you were, what you're reading is when Thor is outside by the star and yes. all that and doing everything. Again, he's in outer space and he's not frozen. Yeah. He's godlike. Ah, but that has an he's atmosphere. Godlike. And how in the hell am I supposed to goddamn believe that a little itty bitty escape pod can start up all of this? Now, I know he gets flung around by Thor and all that extra strength. But at one point he says, we need more power. Mm -hmm. And this little freaking pod that looks like the same thing that General Grievous took yep. is supposed to start up a star. Ah, it was a little unbelievable to me. Well, you know what? It's a, it, it, Here's the thing. All of that dinkiness starts a star that's going to make Stormbreaker. So maybe Stormbreaker's not that powerful. No, the star isn't that powerful. No, because if, it, if just an escape pod made Stormbreaker, I tell you what, that really knocks Stormbreaker down in my eyes. The, the, the escape pod doesn't make Stormbreaker, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was not, it, it had a hand in trying to start up something that makes Stormbreaker. I'll give you that. But it doesn't make Stormbreaker. I am prepared. <laughs> as massive armies of outriders led by Proxima Midnight and Cull Obsidian arrive in Wakanda, T'Challa gathers the Dora Milaje, Wakandan Royal Guard, the Border Tribe, and the Jabari Tribe led by M'Baku, accompanied by Rogers, Barnes, Wilson, Rhodes, Romanoff, and Banner using a suit of Hulkbuster armor to meet them, hoping to buy Shuri enough time to complete her work. At first, the outriders blindly throw themselves against the protective energy dome surrounding Wakanda, with many perishing against the dome surface and only a few actually making it through. However, once the Outriders begin to move around the edge of the dome, Banner alerts the team that the beasts could potentially flank them, gaining a clear path to vision. T'Challa decides to op partly open the barrier in an effort to keep the enemies in front of them. The strategy is effective, but at the cost of massive hordes of Outriders suddenly invading Wakanda, quickly starting a fierce battle. I'm glad M'Baku is back for this battle, Steve! E-Bombay! 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 That is, I don't even think he says that. No, he says something. He says like something when you hear "ho who." Oh, I know what he says. He goes, "Oka chaka, oka oka." No, that's the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Outriders are straight horror. Dude, it was like Alien. Yes, uh, I do like seeing Falcon and War Machine flying together. I think that's a pretty cool pairing. Yeah, they uh, they're both. Weapon, weapons, 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 master Stop it. Are they Waskowee weapons? <laughs> Very quiet. Uh, we get Banner in Hulkbuster armor, which is funny, but couldn't he have just been Hulk then? 
I mean, okay, look, in Endgame, it'll make more sense why he isn't here, but this, even the, oh God, Steve, I have a Rogue One moment. Even the trailers had Hulk in this battle. What? Yes. One of the last things in the trailer for Infinity War that you see is everybody running with the army and Hulk is behind all of them. Hold the freaking phone. That's right. They wrote one view. Stupid. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Anything about the about the Hulkbuster you want to mention? <laughs> uh, you kind of got me like confused now. My gosh. Well, you threw me for a loop there. I totally didn't even remember that. <laughs> I I got a question. Yep. So the Hulkbuster looks a lot like Iron Man. You know, Iron Man did use it to battle the Hulk. Yes. Where does it come from? Why is it on Wakanda? So I'm thinking about this to myself, and I start answering my own questions because that's generally what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony <laughs> isn't there, so right. it didn't arrive that way. Could this possibly explain that the suit is Wakanda, that Tony, Star- Tony Stark's nanotech is a Wakanda tech suit? Was the Hulkbuster kind of a gift? Kind of like trading technology? I guess. I mean, what do you think? I th- I think it's a great rationale for it. Um, I I I don't think there's any holes in that idea. I I, I say I mean, go with it. Did that even cross your mind when all of a sudden you see the Hulkbuster come out on Wakanda? Well, my first thought when I saw the Hulkbuster stuff was just like you, like where did that come from? But then I realized that him and Banner and Stark both designed Veronica which is the Hulkbuster stuff in case Hulk gets out of hand. So that means Banner has access to Veronica whenever he wishes. Okay. Well, that, I, that, that can work too, I guess. Um, Black Panther, another, another good thing for his character. This guy does not rule from behind his army. He rules by literally leading them into battle. And it's one more reason to love this character. <laughs> he's, he's another version of Cap. Yes. In fact, it it's, really, him and, really is. it's him and Cap but, that are leading the charge. Yeah, and this scene stuck out when they're actually in the midst of fighting it. I still love Black Panther's suit and all of its gadget. You can see him turning purple, yes. just like how we saw, and then him using that energy, that potential energy, into kinetic so that he just displaces all of his enemies that he's fighting with. I still thought that was I, – I didn't see it before, and I saw it like, God dang it. He's like – he's close to a Bruce Wayne. Yeah, but it's also smart in how they show that power because, again, the power stone is purple also. So it makes sense that he's pulling in all that power and it's purpling his suit and the power stone is purple also. They, they, they mirrored the color palettes perfectly. You, you just made it even cooler now. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. While, <laughs> while Thor and Rocket are able to break the ice that immobilizes the rings of Nidavellir's forge, the mechanism that focuses the neutron star's power are damaged. Thor exposes himself <laughs> to the power of the star, giving the, <laughs> <laughs> giving the forge enough time to melt the special metal needed to craft Stormbreaker. The metal, by the way, is called Uru. Thor is left near death, and while Eatree successfully molded the metal, the axe's handle cannot be found. Groot sacrifices his left arm for the weapon's handle, activating its powers and reviving Thor. Groot, even you sacrifice something in this movie. Well, that's that, that's Groot's mantra. He does that at the end of Guardians 2 when he sacrifices himself, so that's just part of him. Now, what, so do you, that's... what do you think of the handle being Groot's arm? Does it seem like it should have been metal also, or do you like the Groot handle? Physically, I like 
the wooden handle. Yeah, I think it look. I think it makes it look better. Uh, but then again, we never see it with a metal handle, um, so I don't really know. But I kind of like the uh, aesthetics of the wooden handle being a group's arms, and you know what? It gives group group it gives Groot <laughs> a purpose in this film which it, it it sucks to say that because this is only the second time really that Groot has ever done anything i mean heck even at this moment when everything's going on Groot kind of gets knocked down and then he kind of shakes off his game is it still working yeah you know can i still play i was like geez it, it, i i continue to hate him because of that you know because he's that teenager mentality when this is just kind of the this is a short little character arc. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and for, for him to make you kind of, okay, I guess I don't hate him so much. And so in, this is the third Groot we have seen. We've seen Groot, the original. We saw baby Groot in Guardians 2. Now we're seeing teenage angst Groot um, in the, what do you call it? The In Endgame, we're going to see an older Groot than that. And then in Guardians 3, apparently... Or in, or in the Thor, the movie, where the Guardians will show up. I, it's one or the other. I can't remember what. We're going to see something called Alpha Groot. Wow. Which I want to see what I'm Alpha Groot for. looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although they are able to take down many of the hostiles, the Avengers and Wakandan armies are quickly outnumbered and overrun by the Outriders. However, Thor arrives via Bifrost with Rocket and Groot using Stormbreaker to turn in the battle in favor of the defenders of Earth. Steve, I think Thor should have come into Immigrant Song. <laughs> No. Yes. No. No, 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 no. Do not crap. No, no. This is, no. The Avenger, the Avengers theme. Come to the land of the ab- ice and snow with the. Are you finished? I'm done. Okay. The Avengers, ugh, the Avengers theme is absolutely perfect. This scene, I, I remember exactly where I was, how exactly I felt. And I also remember this was the part where my wife took a bathroom break <laughs> and she wasn't there for this. And I was just like, Ugh. so it was just me taking in all this for what it is. Yes. And I absolutely love this. This is my top one of one of my, if it's not first, it ain't third <laughs> scenes of all time in movie history. It's it. This is goop spumps. Number three, when the Bifrost hits and it's like that, what the, F moment is this. <laughs> and then Thor catches the axe, Stormbreaker, awesome weapon. Yeah. And a, a, just a wave of emotion just hits me. A happy tear <laughs> develops. And I feel exactly with what Banner says. You guys are all screwed now. <laughs> I can watch this scene on repeat forever. Bring me Thanos. It, oh, it's so great. And the sound acoustics with this when he jumps up in the air you just hear like this deep deep bass when he's about to come down and just leave destruction in his path yeah and it's just there's so much emotion in it i i, I can't my, my, I, I need to take a break right now Whew, need a cigarette mm-hmm. but, but you, <laughs> it's you know, just great you know it, it, it's 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 a hell of an entrance onto the battlefield uh yeah but yeah. Thor is all about entrances. Yes, he, he Thor. No, he of all the characters, him and Iron Man make the best entrances. 
by far, yes. Uh, Thanos arrives on Titan and is greeted by Strange. During a brief conversation with Strange, he reveals that Titan was his home and that overpopulation led it to ruin. Thanos had suggested that half the population be killed at random to save the planet, a suggestion which was obviously seen as insane. Thanos now believes himself to be merciful as he plans to simply snap his fingers after acquiring all six Infinity Stones and cause half the universe's population to cease to exist without causing much pain, after which Thanos plans on simply resting. Even the conversations that slow the pace down are great to sit through. Strange and Thanos convo is it's, it's, it's exposition heavy, but it's all part of the plan. Yeah, and it doesn't drag on. It's it, it's kind of a short conversation. Yep. And it's easy to follow. And, oh yeah, I, I agree with it. Nevertheless, they engage Thanos in an intense battle, but Thanos single-handedly repels the assaults of the Avengers, the Guardians, and Doctor Strange until Nebula arrives and distracts him. Eventually, Strange, Parker, and Drax manage to pin down Thanos' limbs while Mantis uses her powers to put him to sleep. Although she fails and he remains half-conscious, he is still weakened enough that he is totally incapacitated, allowing Stark to try and force the gauntlet off Thanos' hand. However... When Nebula deduces that Thanos has killed Gamora, Quill becomes enraged and attacks the Mad Titan, causing him to regain consciousness just as the gauntlet was about to be taken off. This is the first time we have seen the full use of the gauntlet in battle, and it is beautiful. Yeah, I was I was just going to ask, is this the first time you actually see it as a weapon? Yes. Yes, it is, because we've seen it used as a ploy for illusions with the reality stone. We didn't see him decimate Asgard with the power stone. So this is it. Um, Nebula and Thanos. It, this is one of my favorite exchanges in the entire movie. You should have killed me. And Thanos just yelling back. It would have been a waste of parts. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> to his own daughter. That is cold. <laughs> you got Drex on a leg, Spider-Man and Iron Man on the gauntlet, Mantis on the head, Strange on his arm. This should have been done and done. How long does it take to take a glove off? I don't know, but I love watching Stark warn Peter about what he's about <sighs> to do, having learned from his battle with Cap that you can't let your emotions get the best of you. Really? And damn it, um, Peter... <laughs> Drax was selfish, and now you, Guardians of the Galaxy, have a lot of maturing to do. And Peter, I think we can agree, after this movie ended, a lot of people said Peter Quill was the reason why Thanos won. Well, I, you said it's all part of the plan. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's just like, well, what was Doctor Strange? Oh, he was holding on. He doesn't interfere at any point during this whole exchange. No, he has his part to play. Yes, he lets everything unfold the way it is. Like I said, ever since you get all those predictions and he says that there's one, you got to think that Strange is you, you question every decision that he does. Like, you no, know, he, he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, he just, after the scene, yeah. there's um, th there's something really big that happened. He well, throws I know this a was your fucking moon at them. <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard to believe that this scene was in the Comic-Con trailer that nobody saw. Remember at Comic-Con, we heard about how they, they revealed the Infinity War trailer, and in it, Thanos throws a moon. And we oh, yeah. never saw that trailer unless you were at Comic-Con. This is the scene, and I'll be honest with you, this might be the coolest scene in the whole movie to me. Well, I do remember 
like not too long after they released that trailer that there was a lot of people who obviously secretly recorded it and put it on social media <laughs> and then Disney went ape crap on it. And like within an hour or so it was all pulled from everywhere. Yeah. I was lucky enough to know this guy in Nashville who sent me the link ASAP. <laughs> and I remember watching that and I was like, Holy crap. That guy sounds like a special man. <laughs> Thank you, JC. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. There you go. <laughs> they almost get the glove off, Steve. They almost get it off. I don't know. It takes me. It doesn't take me that long, you know. Especially, I don't even want to get into it. Well, how many metal gloves do you own? I own <laughs> none. The answer is none. Pra- the dude practically, is, oh, practically asleep. He's in. Well, he's in anguish. Yes, he's but not still, asleep. You got Spider Man. You got Tony Stark. Iron Man trying to do this. I should have had it off well in wakanda Wakanda, the black order launches threshers massive siege weapons which lay waste on the battlefield prompting maximoff to join and save romanoff and okoye what was she doing up there the whole time however what no one has realized is that corvus glaive has successfully infiltrated the lab where he knocks out shuri and her guards before the extraction of the mindstone can be completed Glaive then attempts to take the Mind Stone from Vision, who flees onto the battlefield and attempts to fight back. But Corvus Glaive and Cull Obsidian overpower him. Banner arrives and manages to kill Cull Obsidian, despite still being able to turn into the Hulk, while Rogers fights against Corvus Glaive. Meanwhile, despite holding her own against the combined forces of Maximoff, Romanoff, and Okoye, Proxima Midnight is killed as well, when Maximoff forces her into the path of a Thresher. Rogers is defeated, but Vision stabs Corvus Glaive with his own weapon from behind, just like he did it to him, killing him. With the Black Order defeated and the Outriders routed by Thor, the Avengers seem victorious. Wanda shows up like a boss on the battlefield. <laughs> oh, yes, she does. I totally agree with where, where has she been this whole time? She, what one she used out there? Yeah, right. I love this scene also because it's really well edited. A lot of battles happening at the same time, and it doesn't feel like too much. Um, and this is the first time we had the all-female heroes on the st- on the screen. We'll get a massive version during Endgame, but this one actually felt more organic because it's a smaller area. And I- smaller, smaller area, and it's, it's only really the three of them. Yeah, and, and I love it's the three that we've seen recently. And I like watching a Koye fight with Widow. <laughs> oh, she's just a master of the uh, of her staff. I mean, Donatello takes some notes, buddy. Right there, you go. <laughs> this is um, this scene kind of again for me just showed how weak Vision is in this movie. You're right. Yes, he does end up you know killing Corvus Glaive, but it makes me just further doubt the Infinity Stone. Yes, he can't be phased and whatnot, but he why can't he? You're telling me him as a computer can't use the Infinity Stone? It's just there as a power source. Well, it's it's the mind stone. So it, remember, it's it's given his mind sentience. You know that, that, and realistically, he would. They did a smart move at the beginning of this movie of injuring him, so that he couldn't be the powerful vision that we've seen in the past. So really, he's really just a super bot. That, that's really it at this point. Yeah, he really is. He's just a. Yeah. Uh, the fight turns decisively in Thanos' favor as he unleashes the full might of the Infinity Stones upon his attackers, swiftly repelling them. Thanos then confronts and overpowers Strange, but realizes that Strange never used the Time Stone in the fight because Strange hid it. 
Before he can try to locate it, Iron Man attacks him, but is quickly outmatched and seriously wounded when Thanos stabs him in the stomach. As Thanos prepares to execute Stark, Strange agrees to hand over the Time Stone to Thanos in exchange for Stark being spared. Thanos agrees and inserts the stone into the gauntlet and departs to retrieve the last stone. Strange versus Thanos is my favorite sequence in the whole movie. Strange's magic is nearly as formidable as the gauntlet itself. Oh, yeah, because it, it, as nearly. they're fighting, they, they pretty much seem like almost equals. Yeah, we get, we get Iron Man versus Thanos, and in the end, it's Thanos is one, Stark zero. <laughs> we're going to keep track of that score. Yeah. Uh, wow. The only way Thanos could get that stone was if Strange gave it to him. And yet that's the one out of 14 million plus odds that have them winning. Strange is a great protector of our reality and the stone. Thank you, Dr. Strange. <laughs> yeah, he does a good job when it's just not sitting in that vault by itself. <laughs> it's just all, <laughs> it's all just part of the plan. <laughs> Third it's time we said the, that. <laughs> it's just insane. It's just insane when you think about it. Thanos is a man of his word. I was kind of surprised at this scene. Why wouldn't he just let Stark die? I mean, he can get the stone and then just kill him right there. But it it really humbles him and just makes him more of a villain that you can respect. And that's exactly it is Thanos never straight attacks anybody. He is always on the defense in everything that he's doing. He never... Think about this. He's never just mowing through people. He basically just says, I'm going to ask you kindly, and when you get so fresh that you attack me, I'm going to put you down. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, and again, his whole thing is about saving the lives of the universe. And by killing him, that kind of goes against what he was trying to do. That's why he says, you know, half the universe will still be around. I hope they remember you. Because he respects him. Yeah, so does it, I guess so, when he, well, this goes back to your soul stone, mind stone mentality of ranking them. So does he, does he know every single person that he's going to snap out of existence? No, it's completely random. Okay, so he doesn't even know if, he, if he'll even end up taking out Stark or anybody like that. Well, the genius behind it is, and this is the humanizing part, is that he also could be part of that random number too. He doesn't know it yet. Uh, I think it's, that's brought up in the comic actually the graphic novel about the Infinity War is that somebody points out you know if you snap people out and it's random that could mean you too and he says yes but it's for the good of the universe I, the, the more and more you keep talking about the more I want to be on Thanos' side I know <laughs> makes him such a great villain and then we get Strange saying we're in the end game now and who who would have thought? And it's it's almost like a that was like a a huge reveal that nobody knew. Yeah, that happens to be the name of the movie. And yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, however, Thanos teleports to Wakanda as well to obtain the Mind Stone. Uh, all the Avengers, Okoye, T'Challa, and Groot gather to defend Vision, but Thanos effortlessly defeats them one by one, including Rogers, who is briefly able to hold back Thanos much to the, the Titans' surprise. Realizing that they have no other choice, Vision asks Maximoff to destroy the Mind Stone herself, which will likely kill Vision. Um, 
a slow motion montage of Thanos's might against these Avengers is a great pace disruptor so that all these scenes don't feel the same. And this scene makes Darth Vader's scene at the end of Rogue One look weak. Thanos makes Vader look like a bitch. <laughs> now let's tie these two together. Yes. So Ebony Maw is a force user. Yep. It could rival Vader. I know we talked about that he would even be better than uh, Yoda. Okay. So it could rival Vader. Ebony Maw. He is Thanos' bitch in the film. Yes. His right-hand man. So I guess you could say that Vader could be Thanos' bitch. There's yes. your rationale. I agree. Yes, I like I like your <laughs> A to B, B to C. Uh, and this is why you have great actors in these parts. So when Wanda has to destroy Vision Stone, you feel her pain from her performance. And I'm sorry, if there's any reason to explain why Scarlet Witch is the most powerful Avenger, this is it. Hands down, she destroyed the stone and stopped Thanos in his tracks at the same time. Yeah, yeah this was something even, you know, the ever popular Captain America couldn't do, which actually brings me to the point where she's trying to go through Thanos and he's holding the gauntlet right there. And yep. then you see Thanos kind of look down. And again, this is all Josh Brolin. It's absolutely perfect. He kind of looks at him and he's holding back and it's Steve Rogers with all of his might trying to hold him back. And then and he's holding the gauntlet. So yep. he must, they, they had to have done this for some reason. And then with his other hand, that has nothing else attached to it. It's just pure Thanos just <laughs> knocks him out. It's awesome. <laughs> so you can't even say that the gauntlet defeated Steve Rogers. Thanos did. Right, right. But then again, so I thought Thanos didn't need to use the gauntlet to defeat the, Steve Rogers also. Yeah. Uh, she reluctantly agrees and success because keep in mind the whole thing is you have to keep his gauntlet open otherwise he can't use it. So when Steve Rogers is holding his gauntlet, he's That's keeping true. it open. That's true. Uh, okay. she, she reluctantly agrees and successfully shatters the Mind Stone moments before Thanos can get to it, vaporizing both it and Vision. However, Thanos uses the power of a Time Stone to reverse time and restores both Vision and the Mind Stone, which he rips off the Mind Stone from Vision's skull, killing him for good. Having finally gathered all six Infinity Stones, Thanos prepares to execute his plan, but Thor arrives and catches Thanos off guard, unleashing his full power and the full might of Stormbreaker upon the Titan in a last-minute attempt to stop him, severely wounding Thanos as Stormbreaker buries itself in his chest. Time Stone is the mistake eraser, Steve! Yeah, see, this is why I put it as number one for me, because it can easily undo... Anything and everything. And we get Thor! <laughs> yes. This was so cool. This, this came out of nowhere. I, I completely forgot about Thor and everything that he does. Because, yeah, he mows through all the Avengers except him at the end. Yes. So let's talk about this scene for a little bit. Oh, you want to talk about Stormbreaker? Let's talk about Stormbreaker. All right. I've always loved Stormbreaker. Heck, I named my fantasy football team Stormbreaker. Yes, you did. It's one of the most powerful... Well, at least I thought this year it was going to be a powerful team, but it ended up in the end, dead well, last. Well, let's go into that because I named my <laughs> team the Infinity Gauntlet at one point, and I'm pretty sure my team went farther than your team named Stormbreaker did. So Infinity Gauntlet yep. more powerful than the Stormbreaker. It was inevitable, but... <laughs> 
I consider Stormbreaker as one of the most powerful weapons in the entire cosmos. I agree. Maybe, maybe even more so than the Infinity Gauntlet. I agree. Huh? Because you said maybe. Okay. (laughs) Here's my rationale for it being more powerful than the Gauntlet. Yeah. Number one, it's made in the same place as the Gauntlet. You're going to have to help me out with some of these names and how they say it. Made in Nevedalir. Yep. And it was also made by the Dwarf King. Eatry. Yeah, Eatry. The movie made it seem like Eater knew he messed up by making the gauntlet. By that, uh, when the when him and Thor are talking. And he didn't really have a choice. He had to make this gauntlet just because of how powerful Thanos and how intimidating he was. By making Stormbreaker, I would like to think that this was Eater's chance at redemption or correction for what he has done. So he made a weapon with Thor that is more powerful than the gauntlet. Okay, let me stop right there. Um, if if I may, mm-hmm. saying that it was made at Nidavellir also does not mean more powerful. It just means as powerful. Second, as powerful, Secondly, yes. Secondly, okay. the, the, the Stormbreaker was actually molded before he made uh, the gauntlet because he says that this was meant for a king of Asgard. Well, if it was made afterwards, then Asgard is gone already. So, there you go. So, he made the gauntlet to be the most powerful thing. Stormbreaker, as it was, with the handle too, maybe it would have been as powerful, but he doesn't have half the weapon. Go on. It can summon the Bifrost. Yes, it can. Thor can transport anywhere at any time. We know that you can kind of do that in Guardians 2, jumping through those wormholes. But I, I mean, please help me correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that requires a ship and precise timing to show it as it showed in Guardians 2. Plus, it's a very trippy. Oh, it can yes. almost disfigure you. And, I mean, Jane Foster, regular human, she went through the Bifrost and had no issues. Right. So I think, the, in my opinion, the Bifrost is a lot more efficient and a lot better than jumping through those wormholes. And again, I think you have to have certain pieces in place to even do that. Yeah, I think it's with this, it's just instantaneous. You can do it. I think the Bifrost, is, first of all, it's smart that Asgard is gone, but some of the elements that we loved about uh, Asgard are still alive, like the Bifrost, for instance. That's, that's something that should never have gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My other point yeah. is I think, that, I think that this makes Thor even more powerful. As we saw in Ragnarok, he finally figured out that he could wield the power of lightning on his own. But I think that the sto- that Stormbreaker makes him even more powerful because now he can focus his energy even more so. And the first analogy I kind of thought of was a musician, a singer. They have raw talent, and they can sing amazing, yes. But give them the right tools, i.e. a studio or a microphone, and they can be even better, and they can even harness their and project their raw talent even more so. And I kind of think that's what Stormbreaker does. It makes him an even more formidable force. I agree. This, <laughs> <I'm> expecting that. <laughs> well, so far, the, you know what I'm agreeing with is, okay, I agreed that uh, it was made at Nedevalir. I agree that it can summon the Bifrost, and I agree that it makes Thor more powerful. There you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Now I know where you're going with it. <laughs> I also think that this pretty much saved Thor's life by taking the full force of a neutron star. Mm-hmm. He was hanging on to life. 
before. As soon as he grabs Stormbreaker, within minutes, he's healed and fighting. Mjolnir did the same thing in Thor. I think this can do a lot more. No, 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 no. No, no. Based on what you just said. This is my last reasoning why. Based on what you just said, Mjolnir did the exact same thing. And when did that happen? In the original Thor, when he, when the, uh, that, that big robot thing in Arizona or New Mexico it is, knocks him out and kills him, that's when he is seen as worthy because he sacrificed himself. And Mjolnir flies out of that one little place where the shield was uh, getting it and goes back to Thor and he gets all of his armor back on and everything. Mjolnir does the same thing. Well, Mjolnir no longer does that because he claimed, because he all of a sudden became worthy. Yeah, it had, a, it had a bigger stake to it. But go on. So, so this thing, so Stormbreaker <laughs> doesn't need to know that you're worthy. It's just already that powerful. Anybody can wield it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, it doesn't. Need, if if it's not worthy, then anybody could. Well, we don't know any of that yet. We ah. don't know if you have to be worthy enough to feel Stormbreaker. I mean, unless I'm wrong. No, keep going. We 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 don't know that. Okay, so this thing can. Stormbreaker can also, and I believe, can withstand the full power of the gauntlet. Mm. As seen through this, this is where it actually all started. Stormbreaker can be seen powering through a high energy beam with, and you can see all of the colors of the stone. Thanos is trying so hard to deflect it. Come into my world. To to stop it with all the powers of the stone. Yeah. And it still couldn't be done. This could very possibly mean that it could be more powerful than all the stones and the gauntlet combined. You know, it's funny you mention all those colors. Where have I seen (laughs) all those colors before? Oh, yeah. The rainbow bridge and the Bifrost. Yeah. If it can summon the Bifrost, that means it can travel through the Bifrost. So... If you look at the picture that you put up there, because I noticed you try to be visual about this, I only yeah, see I... one color coming from Thanos' glove, but when it meets the Stormbreaker, that's when you see all the colors, which can mean one of two things. Either A, the Bifrost is what's creating that, or B, we're seeing the spectrum of light because white light is all the colors. So, okay, now that you're bringing this up, the only rationale I have to go against that is one that this is a blown out scene. I'm talking about when you see Thanos ignite and put his gauntlet up from there, from his, you can see all of the colors, but melted together. When you look at it from afar, it looks like one color white light. No, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't use all the stones. He only uses the power stone. Oh, I don't think he does. I, I think when he puts his hand up, you see all the colors come from there. It is. Uh, I'm gonna have to find a freaking picture now. It has now been confirmed, be and I also have a Q and A session that Joe and Anthony Russo were talking about, where they asked him uh, if the gauntlet would be reused and would the Stormbreaker be strong enough to stop that from happening. And Joe says it certainly has the ability to counteract the Infinity Gauntlet. And Anthony Russo says, I think that key moment though is that Thanos was caught off guard. He literally just didn't know the power of what was coming at him. I mean, maybe he could have used the stones in a different way he, had he understood what the weapon was, but it came out of nowhere. Well, just like coming out of nowhere where Gamora tried to kill herself with a knife, but he knew exactly what to do then and turned it into bubbles. Um, but you have a, if you have some kind of weapon and something is coming at you fierce, you just do whatever the hell you can and try to use the full force of it as what you can at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, I will agree that he did get caught off guard, but he's just he took the time. He blasted the whole thing and says, I just need to use everything. Boom. And try to stop this thing. And it still went through every single part of that. Yeah, but he only uses the one stone. He doesn't use them all. 
I'm currently researching, so you can go ahead and continue. Okay. (laughs) However, Thanos survives the attack. He mocks Thor for not having hit him in the head and snaps his fingers in the gauntlet, completing his plan. Thanos is momentarily transported into the soul world, where he sees a younger Gamora who asks what the cost of achieving his goal was. Sadly, Thanos admits that it cost him everything. Thanos then returns to the real world with the gauntlet now mangled from the massive amount of energy used and Thor furiously questions Thanos about what he did as a rumble can be heard throughout the universe. Thanos simply smirks at him and teleports away. As Thor is left to wonder what the outcome will be, Barnes suddenly turns to ash in front of Rogers. The effects of the snap manifest. Half of the Wakandan army disintegrates, as does T'Challa, Groot, Maximoff and Wilson, leaving the survivors regrouping around Vision's body to look in horror and unable to do anything but accept defeat. Do you remember how quiet the theater was during the scene when people started turning to ash? Dude, you could hear a pin drop. It was this crazy. Moment, this moment will be forever remembered by society. Yes. I remember when people were crying and yelling out, No! Yep. When Black when Black Panther went. I couldn't believe what I was seeing on the screen. It was the most talked about scene. I remember talking with you at length about everything and anything about this scene. Another hold your breath scene. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, and again, another scene where they take the music away. And they just let you sit with what it is. This is a good part of that. Yep. Um, so, well, there wasn't any audio to go with it. All you just saw was a, a wisp of wind. Yep. You know, everything blown away. No, it was very well done. On Titan, Mantis, Drax, and Quill vanish, along with Strange, who tells Stark that there was no other way. Parker is the last to vanish and tearfully begs Stark not to let him go. While a traumatized Stark laments his future, Nebula, the only other survivor, solemnly remarks that Thanos has achieved his goal. Thanos retires himself on a distant planet, and rests while satisfactorily gazing out to the sunrise, considering his job done and smiling slightly at his triumph. Peter's lines were apparently improvised in this movie, which is a great job keeping that in the movie. Peter, Peter Parker's? Yes. Uh, yeah, his lines are absolutely heart-wrenching. I thought when you were talking about that, that this was like your top moment of the entire film is when he's saying all this stuff to Tony Stark. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, this is a great way to end this movie too because this makes Empire Strikes Back look silly in comparison they just lost Han yeah (laughs) which yeah that's a rough that's a rough thing but eh, you really didn't need Han all along in Star Wars anyway no Um, Thanos wins Thanos we've never said Loki wins we've never said Hela wins Thanos wins done and done I think this is what caught a lot of everybody off guard when credits rolled. It was like, holy crap, did we just lose and that's it? Yes. I mean, I don't, I'm just talking as like your average fan, not, not a super fanboy, knowing mm-hmm. what all the comics explain and whatnot. But I think people were left stunned and pissed. Oh yeah. They were left with emotion. And if a movie can, no, no matter what the emotion is, if the movie leaves you with that, there's something to be said. Well, it's kind of funny because they were like, I remember people before the movie saying, well, we know people are going to die. He's going to snap people out of, in, in, 
out of existence. So who will they be? And everybody and their uncle was saying, well, they're going to get away all the sub characters. All, you know, this person is like the first person they went after was Black Panther. That was big. And the last person they, they disintegrate is Spider-Man. And you're like, oh, my God, they don't care who it is. It was random. Mm-hmm. Um, in a post credit scene. Nick Fury and Maria Hill are monitoring the battle in Wakanda when they witness the events of the snap. An SUV crashes in front of them, and when Hill looks inside, the driver has vanished. A helicopter crashes into a nearby skyscraper, seemingly pilotless. When Hill turns to dust in front of him, Fury runs to his car, grabs an old-fashioned pager, and prepares to send a distress signal. When he starts to vanish as well, Fury laments his death, but manages to activate the pager, which displays a star pattern with a blue and red background. This was a really good post credit to explain Maria Hill and Fury's perspective. Yeah, I, uh, this just shows that it, the snap was literally felt everywhere. Now, I know it was on Wakanda, which yeah. is technically on Earth, um, but you kind of forget when you are in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You are not, you actually, at least I forget. Wait a minute. Okay. We are on earth. You know, it feels just like it's a completely different realm. It's a completely different, even planet, you know, it's outside yes. of everything. So it was kind of neat to see this because now you're seeing it affect on other parts of the universe, but and, other parts of the world. Yeah. Right. And the symbol that we get there marks the arrival of captain Marvel. I saw this and I was like, I was confused so much at the very end. I was like, who the hell? Who, who, what, what is this? I didn't get it. It wasn't until I think I talked to you as I'm walking out of the theater yeah. that it was Captain Marvel. I was like, I never knew who this was. I remember speculation ran rampant on who she is yep. and the fact that everybody was saying she is the only one that can destroy Thanos. And I remember seeing this at the end, now knowing what I know, Goosebumps number four. And you know what? It's kind of funny. It, it's really funny because I, uh, when, when I've, saw this and I saw it was Captain Marvel, my first thought was go to the comics and see who this Captain Marvel is. So I'm looking up and doing my research and I'm like, wow, she's beaten Thanos in the comics. But I fell into a trap here, Steve, because every single person for the last 19 movies has gone to the comics to try to predict what's going to happen and have been wrong every damn time. 19 times we've done this. We haven't learned yet. And I mean, I personally, I was like, holy cow, I can't wait for her to show up. And when she shows up, yes, she is indeed powerful. Because, as we'll get to, she her, she got her powers also from an Infinity Stone, much like Scarlet Witch does. So we're going to get that whole thing in about two more movies here when we go over that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this movie does not end with the Avengers will return. It ends with Thanos will return. And then... It ashes away the title <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Like, you, like we just punched you in the face eight times. You're on the ground. And now I'm just going to kick you in the nuts one last time before I leave the boxing ring. That was that that was huge. That was another goosebumps moment. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. What, what, what just happened? Well, here's what happened. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 85%. That's 42 fresh reviews and 15 rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 6.94 out of 10. That seems so low. That's sad. That's a D plus. That's not good. Uh, the critic consensus reads, quote, Avengers Infinity War ably juggles a dizzying array of MCU heroes in the fight against their gravest threat yet, and the result is a thrilling, emotionally resonant blockbuster that, 
mostly realizes its gargantuan ambitions. I don't think these critics knew that Endgame was coming around. No, I don't think so either. And the, the audience score was a 4.48 out of 5, uh, with 91% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So the audience clearly got something the critics didn't get. Yes. But the movie's over, Steve. Were you entertained? There are so many emotions that were running through my body at the end. When the title ashes away, like you said, it was a swift kick to the balls when you're already down. <laughs> oh, God, this was a great... I couldn't move. I didn't want to move mm-hmm. afterwards. I was just like, when, when I walked out of the theater, I was just quiet. I was like, I was letting everything go through my head. And like, what did I want to say? What, Joe, what did you... How, how did you feel after it? And it was beautiful. <laughs> this was everything I hoped it could be. But let's figure out whether the awards got it right, Steve. And whether this movie is worth your time or not, did the awards get it right? No, they messed it up. That's not what you wrote. (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) Academy Awards. It got one nomination for Best Achievement in Visual Effects, but it lost to First Man. Sorry. No, no, no. Avengers wins. The moon. The moon. The moon. That. You know what? First man had the moon in it. Thanos threw a motherfucking moon. Uh, Doctor Strange splitting into a million pieces. Thanos. Uh. <laughs> now at the Golden Globes, they got zero nominations, zero wins. So let's go to the Saturn Awards. This is where they tend to be more forgiving of comic awards, but it only was nominated for two. Uh, best comic to film motion picture. And it, here's here's what it was up against. Aquaman, Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, Shazam, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, of those movies, listen, Endgame is in there. I think it's better than Infinity War. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is also really, really good. <laughs> it's really, I don't, I mean. I've only seen it once. And I know that you absolutely love that film. And when I walked out of it, I thought it was good. Endgame. Okay. Endgame one. And as of right now, we haven't done Endgame yet. So maybe when we get to Endgame, we can make a decision whether or not it should be Infinity War or Endgame. Okay, I agree. And then for best supporting actor, let's see here. Where are the actors? Come on, where are you? Uh, that's a younger actor. I don't want a younger actor. I want an older actor. Well, I guess when, when you look at this, this also has like Endgame in there. So I'm uh, wondering if uh, this oh. could be another one that we'll have to revisit. Best supporting actor uh, went to Josh Brolin for Infinity War. He was a supporting actor in, in Infinity War? He, Okay, so here were the supporting here were the supporting actor nominees. It was John Lithgow for Pet Cemetery, uh, Jeremy Renner for Avengers Endgame, Louis Pullman for Bad Times at the El Royale, Lynn Manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins Returns, Stephen Yoon for Burning, and Will Smith for Aladdin. Would you consider Will Smith's genie a supporting actor in Aladdin? Gosh dang it, yes, I kind of do. Okay, so and the other thing is this is called Avengers Infinity War. It's not called Thanos Infinity War. All right, duly noted. All right. I'll give you that, yes. Now, at the, at the MTV Movie Awards, it was nominated for Best Fight between Black Widow, Okoye, Scarlet Witch, and versus Proxima Midnight, but it lost to Wonder Woman versus the German Soldiers. 
Carnage. No. <laughs> Black Panther versus Mbaku. <laughs> yep. Hell, even Hulk versus Thor. Oh, gosh, no. I'm sorry. Yes, that one. That one wins for, for me. Uh, for best villain, Killmonger stop. wins over Thanos. Stop. stop. This is ridiculous. Over Pennywise. Yes, I, yeah. I'll, I'll put Killmonger over Pennywise. Um, and then movie of the year goes to Black Panther over Infinity War. Now, this one's tough. <laughs> this one's tough. But I, I in, in my wholeheartedly opinion, I would put this over Infinity War. Really? Or I'm sorry. I would sorry. I would put Infinity War over Black Panther. Okay. All That's right. what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things that we want to highlight in this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Steve, what are your top three for Infinity War? You know, I'm going surprised that I guess this was really tough for me. And to make this my number three is, <laughs> it's a damn good number three. <laughs> my number three is Thanos and all of his glory. <laughs> Josh Brolin did an absolutely great job. Yes, I know he was all CGI, but his close-up of his face and all the lines that he delivers is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, He's so monotone. But it's a monotone believability. Okay. You said it. He made you believe. What he was doing was right. And yes, that 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 technically is writing. But an actor's job is to put words on screens and make it believable. Okay. And that's exactly what he does. My number two, Thor arriving on Wakanda. It was so emotionally driven for me when all seems lost. Thor arrives and a big part of me is yelling just like Banner. <laughs> I remember in the film, it's like it, I was kind of like leaning back with my kind of my hands folded, kind of near my chin, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this happens, and you see Thor, Groot, all of them, and I just like I sit up in my chair a little bit more and get ready for the ass kicking that's about to happen. <laughs> I can watch this on repeat, and I'll still get the same emotions day in and day out. Yes, but the only reason why this one works is because of my number one, and it is the music of Alan Silvestri. And God, it is his greatest work yet. Mm -hmm. So I got to give a nod to the music because every single part of this film, when there is music and when there isn't music, it's freaking perfect. I agree. Uh, my, number, yours? my number three, uh, anytime Strange and Stark are together. I could watch it. I, I I could watch an hour and a half of that. I, I love their dynamic together. They're both arrogant. They're both egotistical, but they're both incredibly selfless at the same time, just coming from two different perspectives. Um, my number two, the visual effects for the gauntlet. Every stone operates differently and individually, and the color palette that's presented on the screen is just beautiful. And it's, even even when it shows that color palette shooting up at Stormbreaker. You mean the one color, yeah. purple? Yep. You said the color palette. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Charlie. my number one is the snapping. A moment when I, like my heroes, felt lost. It's also how during the credits, the title ashes kick away. It's a kick to the gut. Ugh, that is. But, but on to the bottom three, Steve. It's time to vent about this horrible movie. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about all the awful things in this one. So go. Uh, okay. This was difficult kind of to do. I've, I've had worse times in other films, but this one was still tough to do. My number three, Vision is just a punk in this film. He's just almost, almost pointless in this movie. Um, he's just gets the short end of the stick more than Hulk does. 
My number two, uh, I wish I kind of would have seen a little bit more Wakanda. I, I, I just like going there. It's just so pretty and so awesome. It's just something so different. And number one, <laughs> man, you should be. You better be in a good place during all of this. There is so much crap that's happening. Uh, well, you're going to really find out miss, next movie. I, I, I know, and I really miss him, and I can't wait to see the next one my honorable mention i did have one because i was kind of going back is the death of loki mm-hmm. it really really sucked because i loved him throughout this entire saga this entire franchise but then when draw me back and kind of i didn't need to put it in there is i get it i get why he should have been ended where he did because his character i don't want to say is exhausted because i could always take i can always have a little bit more loki in here yeah but it's it's 100% circle. The full arc is complete and it's just solidified. It's just, oh God, it just sucks that how he went out just a crack of the neck. I wish he would have had a little bit more glorified death, but I, I don't know. I understand why he went the way he went. So, all right. What are yours, buddy? I didn't get even a chance to read yours. So My bottom three, this might be the weakest bottom three I've ever given. Uh, number three, Ebony Maw was too powerful to go out the way that he did. All right, yeah. The battle on Wakanda... What happened to the rest of the Outriders? <laughs> and my number one, sometimes the Guardian's humor lasts a little longer than I wished. But I also said that's a an opinion, a comedic opinion, and so I really don't have two. I mean, so- I can I can understand why Ebony Ma w- went out the way that he did because you need to get out the big players. They they incapacitate Hulk, they incapacitate Vision, they get rid of Ebony Ma. Now it's almost an even playing field. So I can get it. God, the one that really sticks out is what does happen to the Outriders. You're right. <laughs> I mean, there's no way that Thor took them all out. Nope. You clearly see that. Um, mm. Time for the critics' rating, Steve. We use an A to F scale here on the Movie Planet. A C is considered average. An A, or a 12, is the highest. And an F, or a 1, is the lowest. If the movie is so bad it receives Fs from all the hosts, it goes to a new category of movie, the Movie Planet Global Killer. A category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad Solo a Star Wars, story, Star Wars story actually is. So, the question is, Steve, what do you give Avengers Infinity War in the comic book feature film genre? Do you want to go first, or would you like to go second? I'm going to give you the last word, oh, oh. because I want... I want the last word for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. All right. All right. Which is next. All right. And then we're we're, we're, we're going to have to really debate on Endgame. <laughs> I'm the host. I'm getting that one. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, and you'll get the last word for Captain Marvel because no, I I'll know give you, you'll do it. But you'll no, do a better no, no. job at that. I'm one. giving you Marvel. Uh, I'm okay. giving you the next two. All okay, right. Here go goes. So I really didn't know where to kind of start with this one. I remember at the end of this movie when I watched it for the second time, and this is the only film during all the times that I've reviewed movies for the podcast, I literally watched two days in a row. I, I had the computer in my lap, and I was like, it's almost like I had writer's block. How, how do I convey <laughs> everything that happened into just these couple paragraphs? So here goes. Since we started with Iron Man, and now we have this. This is truly a culmination of everything that we have been through together so far. Mm-hmm. I'm being clear with my words. <laughs> After I saw this movie in the theater, I sat in disbelief of what I just witnessed. I mean, I was I was on the Marvel train already, but damn, this catapulted my fanboyness to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. 
Joe, we talked for days on this movie <laughs> for all of our predictions and our speculations all the way down to what the heck the new Avengers movie would be called. And we do a really good job with that. Well, I should say you do a very good job. No, with that. we did. We did. We, <laughs> we elevate each other. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish I, I have to scrounge up to see what some of those predictions were. Cause I, I would love to see those again. This movie shattered records that some thought were going to be unsinkable. But does the popular vote mean that it should be the greatest of all time? Because clearly the critics voted one way and everybody else voted another. Yes. So here goes my villain analysis. Thanos. <laughs> First off. Well done for casting Josh Brolin for this part. It I, I didn't even realize that he was the same guy from Goonies because this is a completely different guy. <laughs> Kudos to him for what he had to go through for playing him. All of the CGI, having those little, you know, those balls all over you, just the environment, dealing with green screen a lot and still pulling off raw emotion and such a gr- and creating such a great mass hysteria of people honestly hating you with little background knowledge that we had of him. I mean, what you saw him in a post credit scene and maybe a quarter of what guardians. Yeah. The first one was, I think it is so fitting that he comes to a, that he comes from a planet called Titan truly <laughs> because he is a mad Titan. Mm-hmm. It makes me think what the other population is like there now. I mean, he's a big purple guy. Are there people bigger than him or not? Anyways, getting off track. He shows no mercy, but he makes you believe that he is giving mercy. Loki, you have just been overtaken in this category. Well done with your time at the top. Welcome, your grace. (laughs) Thanos. The music. Uh, This is a score and a half. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around how amazing this is. The music stands out even more now and is so well-placed from the sacrifice at Voromir to the return of cap to Thor using the Bifrost to enter Wakanda. It is the most, these moments for me that I will remember because of the music. Mm. This movie is a rare movie where the villain wins. I, it left people stunned. I knew that there was a part two that was coming, but, Damn, I had no clue how they were going to come back from this one. I thought the ending of Civil War was crushing. This is like realizing, and this is my weird analogy for this. This is like realizing that Batman Arkham Knight is a great third-person game. (laughs) And then there's a game called Assassin's Creed Origin. Wow, was I in for a surprise. (laughs) When this movie comes out, when this movie came out, I saw it a couple times in theater, which is a rare thing for me. This is a movie I look forward to, and I think about how it impacted my life and the love for this franchise. Yes, there has been some bumps in the road. Hulk, Guardians 1 and 2. But those films make this one so much better. It is the time, at the time, this was my greatest movie of all time. This was the GOAT for me yeah. at the time that this came out. It's still amazing for me, and in my opinion, the greatest Marvel movie ever at this time. This deserves to be above Deadpool. This, for me, is perfect. This is an A. Okay. All right. God, I feel so much better. I've been waiting to do that for 19 movies. My turn. Now it's your turn, buddy. The floor is yours. 
Avengers Infinity War is one half of a movie. So in that regard, it's an F. Now we can move on. But what a glory! What, 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 what? But what a glorious F it is. Joe and Anthony Russo were the perfect guys to direct this film. Not only did they have the cachet with Marvel for killing it with Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. Before that, they were directing half-hour TV shows. But what they proved with Winter Soldier was that they could turn the audience's expectations upside down when it comes to comic book movies. What they proved with Civil War was they could do it with a massive ensemble also. But the real geniuses behind this movie are the writers, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus. Not only did they write Winter Soldier and Civil War, but they were also the writers on Captain America the First Avenger and Thor the Dark World, a movie that will play heavily in Avengers Endgame, which they also penned. Thanos is real. Thanos is bad. Thanos is the greatest villain in all of film. I'm sorry, I know there are film nerds out there that will cite some silent era black costume ne'er-do-well as the ultimate film villain. Thanos would rip that guy in half and then fly his black costume as a flag from his waist belt. This movie doesn't work if his character doesn't work. After all, the only time you've seen him on screen is in 20-second increments. Now he has to carry a movie. And the writing is why he can carry this movie. Plot-wise, this movie is paced really well. The slower parts are anchored by the fact that all of them have Thanos in them, and they serve more as a character development for the Mad Titan, which keeps the audience invested. It's why I call this movie a bladder burster, because there's no point in this movie you can leave and go to the bathroom, for you might be missing something crucial to the story or the characters. The special effects artists do some of their best work in all of the Marvel films in this iteration. The way color is used whenever specific stones are utilized is pretty to the eye, and it's never too hard to see what is going on. Characters don't look as rubbery as they did in the past when they were fully rendered. And Thanos? Well, (laughs) Thanos enters the pantheon of great CGI main characters with Gollum from Lord of the Rings and Caesar from the Planet of the Apes movies. An astonishing and believable character that gives another reason why the artists should have gotten an award for this movie and the actors who bring these characters to life should be recognized by the Academy. The best parts of this movie are seeing the characters we never thought would be thrown together, thrown together. Pairing up Iron Man and the Guardians, or Black Widow with the Koye, or Doctor Strange with Peter Parker allows new audience members who've never seen a Marvel movie to just join in with the introductions happening on the screen. But it also gives audience members who've been watching all along a fanboy moment to latch onto and enjoy. The music here is really good. Like, really good. But it's not Sylvester's best. That is coming. We are in the endgame now. The biggest part of this movie that we can take away from this movie is the snapping or the blip as they call it in Spider-Man Far From Home. When these characters, who we've been with for 18 movies, begin to ash away, it's a gut punch. We've never seen these characters lose the big battle. And because they are super-powered, this is what a super-powered loss would look like. The music cuts out, bewilderment sets in, and we are all left to wonder, how in the world are they going to beat Thanos with half their squad? That's the joy of these movies. If you've been with them from the beginning, then you can look past the naysayers who thought this was dumb because, quote, they can just use the time stone to turn back time, or there's another movie so you can know they aren't going to be all gone. (laughs) Whenever I heard people utter these things, I'd always ask them, have you watched all the movies? And nine times out of ten, they'd say things like, I'm not into comic book movies, or 
There's too many to watch, so I just stopped. These people are the ones we embrace and we bring on, as Steve says, a Joe journey. After all, cinematically, we may never see something so long in preparation and so nimbly executed as this movie, which I think is an A. Ah, very nice. Oh, you had me worried. <laughs> you had me worried. You had me worried, especially when I, uh. So that gets Infinity War, an average score of a 12 out of 12 or an A. And guess what, Steve? It's making the Pantheon. But the question is, where's it going to go? Now, the way that this is set up, well, we're saying goodbye to Captain America Civil War. Oh, we're saying goodbye to that's that. No, that's number two. Yeah. And that's a tough one because I, that was one of your favorites. And mm-hmm. I, you, you, you got me on board with that one, too. And that was still pretty good. And it's, that's a pretty vital film. But, yeah, well, that's OK. If I recall correctly, you. Yes. We're the one yes. that got to put Black Panther in amongst them. So now I believe it's my turn, right? Yes, it is. Okay. So where am I putting I, Infinity War? Hmm. I totally trust you no matter what you do. All right. I will. I, you have my 100% support and agreement. So okay. do your thing, buddy. Okay. Now, I have a rash. I've given this a lot of thought. I have a rationale for this. And right. I hope that you will agree to some aspect of this i'm putting it at number four beneath the dark knight and okay. let me explain why the reason why is because it's not complete the other three movies are complete this is an incomplete movie um the completion happens in endgame But what Endgame does that this movie doesn't do is that Endgame restarts the story so it has a beginning, a middle, and end. This has a beginning and a middle. But it is the greatest two-thirds of a movie ever put to film. So I'm going to put it below The Dark Knight, but in front of Batman Begins. How How do you feel about that? Because I can still be swayed on this. I can still be swayed, Steve. I, I, Please sway I understand. Me. I, I totally see that. The only thing I, you know, when you say it's two thirds of a movie, sway me. <laughs> is this because we know that there's a when this was made, we knew there was a second one coming out? Uh, is that your rationale behind it? Because I think when I look at it as a film, it has a, it has the start of Thanos getting everything and everything. You know, getting his stones. All the way through, how they piece and puzzle that Infinity Gauntlet is really, really cool. And then he uses it, and then he fulfills his master plan, and then he is done. It does. It feels, it feels completed at the end. Yes. Almost like, what the? F-? Okay, I guess we are done. You know. But. <sighs> well, the other thing that I want to bring up is, you know, to just if you're just going to watch Deadpool, you don't need to watch anything beforehand. If you go to watch Iron Man, you don't need to watch anything beforehand. If you go to watch Dark Knight, you really don't need to watch Batman Begins. You've seen a thousand Batman movies. Avengers Infinity War, you kind of need to watch a lot of the movies beforehand. You do. You do. You need to watch a lot beforehand. So or because else, of the, this is this is the first one you watch. I mean, the only person who can get away with this, I know, is your is your mother. 
she can go yes. into the middle of something and fully enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Now that's not to say that when we do a movie like Endgame or something like that, that it could rank higher because yeah. that movie again, it restarts everything. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, Steve, I really want to put this above Dark Knight. And I really want to put it over Iron Man, but you know what? F*** it, I am. I'm putting it over <laughs> Iron Man. I am switching this. I am Avengers Infinity War. You are officially number two. <laughs> there we go. I've made it. I, I just wanted I to hear how that. you would rationalize. And yeah, there you go. So there we go. Well, I mean, the other thing I was going to say because of Iron Man was because it ends as I am Iron Man. Yes. That field, uh, th- there's a lot more left to tell. So in that film, it's it's the origin and it's the beginning. That is not the middle or the end. So our new pantheon is Deadpool with an A, number one. Number two, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War with an A. <laughs> number three, Iron Man with an A. Number four, The Dark Knight with an A. What a great four movies. Mm-hmm. Then you have Batman Begins with an A minus, which I still stick to as <laughs> right there. Yeah. Black Panther with a B plus at number six. And my boy, Doctor Strange, hold on tight, Doctor. <laughs> number seven with a B plus. Just hold on, buddy. I think you'll stay there for another couple movies. Um. <clears throat> So there you go. That's that's our pantheon right there. Uh, this, this is a pretty damn good pantheon. And I think when it's all said and done, yes, there might be some films that aren't in there. But I think we'll, at least in my opinion, I think we'll wholeheartedly be like, wow, this these are the top top films in this, this, is in why, this genre. And this is why we're doing the pantheons. Because you should be able to look at seven movies for any pantheon and go, I could watch any of those seven and get a good idea of what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's get our critics hats off. Do you love this movie? You like this movie? or none of the above, Steve. <laughs> uh, I can't. Uh, well, is there is there something that goes like, um, can, can I watch the movie now again, like for the umpteen time in a row? I freaking love this movie. Yeah, I can't wait to. I want to own multiple copies just in case something happens to one of them. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I, I, I like this movie. <laughs> No, I love this movie. This is the one I've been waiting for for a long time, and I'm so glad we got to do it. I'm so glad we spent two hours and 38 minutes on this motherfucker. Um, and I, there's not a whole lot I'm cutting out of this podcast. Uh, there's a, a, a there's one thing that okay. Do you think that today's generation, and I'm talking about our middle schoolers, yeah, okay, what do you think they will think of this? They song? will love this movie. They'll love it because they love seeing their heroes get slaughtered. Okay. And this movie plays right into what they love. All right. Yeah. I like that. I think uh, I, I think they will definitely like it. I don't know if they'll love it only because I don't think they're going to have the patience to sit through all 19 films <laughs> and have to watch all that. So they'll like it. I don't think that they'll love it. Well, it's also the dependency issue with those 19 films. I mean, they're all available now on streaming devices everywhere. Um, And in reality, I mean, you start this movie off and you do get introductions here and there because of all the new characters that are meeting each other. So, 
you know, is it dependent on them? Yes and no. If anything, you'd open the door and be like, wow, I want to see more about that character. Are there any other movies about this one? Yes, there are. There's three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. That's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. You can. Eat. I'm looking forward to this one. You can find out where Ant-Man's been. Yeah, really. <laughs> you better have a good explanation for this. I like his explanation. Um, you can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow the Instagram for one-minute reviews of the latest movies coming out. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words? If there's any time for any last words, I think this would be it. Joe? Yes. We're in the we're in the end game now. <laughs> well played, sir. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. <laughs>